0: All bad things.
1: Tragedy.
2: Tragedies, disasters. And that's Bad things. things.
0: Trigger warning. For everything.
2: Possible. What?
3: Hello, I'm Sarah. <laughs> I'm Rachel.
2: And I'm David.
3: And this is All Bad Things.
0: I did my part, man. Very good.
3: Yes. Very good. Yes, I I
0: liked your exasperated hello. <laughs> you, did. <laughs> you did. You did. You did good. <laughs> um, follow us, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, at AllBadThingsPod. Email us, AllBadThingsPod at gmail.com. What are you drinking, everybody? Are you drinking anything, Sarah?
3: I am. I'm drinking a uh, triple chocolate. Ooh. Uh Imperial Stout from Highwire oh, Brewing. Oh. They have this 10w40. Um,
2: oh series. Had that before. It's like yeah.
3: they I guess it's you know as thick as motor oil or whatever. <laughs> you um, got
2: that for me for Christmas one year, I believe. Maybe. I think so. I've had uh, it I know that.
3: It's good it's good um kind of beer buying right now is just whoever does pick up the best and is available so like it's either you know like oh we're a bar but we're only going to do pick up till 6 p.m or um you know no we don't do pick up you got to come in so <laughs> i don't even know that i have beer taste anymore it's just whoever does you know pick up conveniently hint if you're trying to market
0: your beer <laughs> <laughs> and you have a uh, high wire now in Durham too, mm-hmm. right? They've been there for a little bit. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Uh, we We've been to the one in Asheville. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um we are drink- drinking very generic stuff. I am drinking a White Claw. <laughs> one of the big ones you get from a convenience store, mm-hmm. a Black Cherry White Claw.
2: I am not having a basic <laughs> bitch beer. I am having a Michelob Ultra Lime and Prickly Pear.
0: <laughs> it's seriously it's like
2: It's a 25
0: and it's precious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I do not know the topic this week. Last week. I knew what you were or two weeks ago. I knew what you were covering. Um, And thank you, by the way, again. Oh, sure. (laughs) I'm just having this little
3: residency, you know, I'm like resident Mm -hmm. co-host at the moment. It Mm -hmm. it ends this week. So don't worry if you don't like me, it'll (laughs) all go back to normal. Um, but yeah, with life circumstances and um, it's the Tacoma Parkway thing was something that I was interested in when I saw the you documentary. Mean oh my goodness, yes, yes, that's what I mean. It's something that I was interested in when I saw the documentary. Um, but this is something that kind of came back across my radar this last week, mm. and. Okay, I had wanted to like talk to you about it because it was actually something that we lived through. Yeah, um, oh, and yeah, that's an intriguing hint.
2: I'm guess I'm guessing it's a hurricane.
3: Nope, it has no weather related stuff. Oh. Well,
0: Sarah specifically asked me earlier this week. She said, "I forget your parameters. What are your parameters for what we do? You will or won't cover?" And mm-hmm. I said, "No direct crime. Mm-hmm. That negligence was okay." Not not in life, just right. for the, yeah, you know what I mean. For the per- for and- <laughs> the purposes
2: of the show, don't
0: be negligent, but yeah, um, negligence we cover crimes of negligence and uh, systemic issues. Yes. So, and there have been a couple times where we've bent things a little bit. Yeah, we have. Yeah, and yeah. we're probably going to coming up too.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, we've got a, a topic in mind. So, and then also Sarah said that I remember you gave a hint. That had something to do with the evangelical church, too.
3: Yeah, my hint was, does anyone from church listen to this podcast? (laughs) I don't want to... I'm not naming names, but if you were there when I was there, you're gonna know exactly who I'm talking about and exactly what I am talking about. So, but I, it wasn't
0: localized only
3: to our church, right? Not at all, and that's that's okay. kind of like what's come across my radar this week was just um, that how widespread and how uh, much of a political and socioeconomic issue this was.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, because it's not abortion, if...
3: so okay, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> So I, I did want to, like, ask you, Rachie, like, is this okay to talk about? Oh, um, okay. But I, di- I want your in-the-moment reactions okay. because I, I've i never spoken to you about this in, a, like, a uh, let's-talk-about-this-issue oh, wow. way. Okay. And you are three years younger than mm-hmm. me, so I feel like you probably had different, possibly you had different experiences than me. And I would like to hear about them. Okay. And I want kind of your like honest and I don't want you thinking thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, no, I appreciate
0: that. <laughs> ahead of time. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Okay. So what? So I what, will now go I'm incredibly ahead and intrigued. share my screen. Oh, we're getting a screen.
3: Oh, we're, okay, are PowerPoint. we getting another uh, I,
2: tutorial? PowerPoint. Or I wish PowerPoint. I could do
3: something without um, a PowerPoint these days. That's okay. I, like, I liked
0: cannot. the
2: PowerPoint yeah, of the the That's Certainly not something I can do.
3: Um, today, I would like to tell you the story of Purity Culture in White Evangelical Churches featuring what I like to call the Purity Panic. Yep.
0: Oh wow. I think
3: that was is
2: that a band?
0: <laughs> I think the, the, the Purity, purity panic? I think the Purity Panic is a great title. I think that's what we'll call it. It's a it, great it name for a band, panic. too. <laughs> um so uh very famously I guess for listeners of the dollop, they covered purity balls. Oh, oh
2: god, yeah. Oh god, mm-hmm. that's one of their funniest ones.
0: It is really, funny. and it's like the
2: second. That's one of the first ones that they did, that they did together. Yes, it's hysterical.
0: It is really funny. And I
2: I saw MTV News used to do that documentary series. I don't know if they still do it. Um, uh, called I think it was called This Is Real Life, and it was just a subject. Every like I watched one on being a professional wrestler oh, and. Mm-hmm. Or true life, true life was the name okay. of the series, but they did one on purity balls, mm-hmm. and I felt just as strongly after watching that as I did watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time <laughs> that I like really needed to take a shower. I was like, I'm like I can't unsee what I just saw.
0: It, it's pretty gross. <laughs> it yeah. is. But I'm I'm gathering from what what the lead up that you gave Sarah that. While the dollop was, because I don't think either of them grew up evangelical or anything. So while it was sort of like outsider looking into a very specific portion of purity culture um, and finding a lot of comedy in it, this is a little bit more like, wow, this is damaging and harmful.
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a tragedy, <laughs> so I would definitely like to yeah, speak to that. Yeah, it is. I um it this is you know this is not like a re- research in a sense that I did not have to look this up on Wikipedia you know um mm, mm-hmm.
1: and Blasphemy. and it
3: <laughs> it was kind of a thing where you know like firsthand disaster stories where somebody is like standing yeah. on a balcony and watching you know a, a monsoon or a typhoon come uh, mm. and like wipe out a town like that's not even how I feel like I was in that. I was in the typhoon, right? So like mm. I was getting washed away with that whole wave. So yeah. like I feel like it was first first ultra first hand for me. Mm-hmm. So it's not something it's definitely something I can speak to personally, my personal experience. Yeah. Um and I definitely felt like it was a super personal experience in that mm. um I was maybe the only person in the church who experienced it like this and Um, it was, it was unique, you know, even though Mm -hmm. like I knew about the purity balls and I knew about the true love way, all that stuff, it was still kind of like, was everyone so weird about it? And I really was, I mean, so naive, but like, I didn't know that there are a ton of people who felt the exact same way that Mm -hmm. I felt. So it wasn't just me being like, you know, weirded out by it. It, This is like something that affected a generation. Mm -hmm. And It really like kind of started this political machinery, or was a result of some political machinery that had already started. Mm -hmm. So, in in general, this is still this is still going on. Like we're still seeing fallout from it. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, not
2: not only is it still going on, it's uh, I would say it's even worse than it probably was when you were experiencing it.
0: Well, I guess I guess we don't know because we're not. um, Neither Sarah nor I are churchgoers right. um, and haven't been for a, a number of years now. Um, so I guess I guess we wouldn't have first-hand accounts of what it's like right now I guess the white I'm evangelical me- church. And thank you, by the way, for, ver- for very specifically speaking to our experience, which is, and, and I think kind of qualifies the whole thing, the white evangelical church is a very specific, like... Because... Because the evangelical church is really largely segregated to kind of a disturbing extent.
3: Church in America is Mm -hmm. almost completely segregated. So it's kind of a product of a broken system already. But yes, yes, it's Mm -hmm. this didn't um, it, it had a lot to do with the way white people felt about black people. And it, ha- it has mm-hmm. a lot to do with everything that was going on in the 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s and 80s, um, mm-hmm. culminating, you know, like what happens when people who experience and reject counterculture, mm-hmm. things like the civil rights movement or um, the sexual revolution or feminism, like what happens when you reject that? And then what happens when you're trying to raise your kid in a world you perceive as like even worse than what you had to
0: experience.
3: Yeah, I I realize like this is gonna be like a ding hot button ding hot button <laughs> ding hot button ding hot button. T- we t-
0: relish the one star reviews <laughs> that we can mock openly.
3: I think I got so worked up this afternoon. I think I was like, "What if they get death threats?" Like, I think this could really you happen. You Text me about that. <laughs> in this political climate, if I say what I'm about to say, like I really do think somebody's gonna like. Really
0: say like these people deserve to die or something like
2: that. Oh well, I it. would consider it a badge of honor.
0: <laughs> I think we're small enough that people just leave us a one star review saying we're idiots and move on. Fair enough. Not and if I get somebody wrong. and if I get
2: somebody so worked up that they want to kill me, then oh well.
0: Oh thanks. <laughs> me? Yeah. You don't have life insurance at the moment, sir. Shit, that's
2: right. What are you gonna say. <laughs> If anybody wants to kill me, um, let's not. Let's I will not put it out there. Let me that. at least, <laughs> le- at least for the for the sake of my wife, make sure that I have an insurance policy first, and then you can kill How me. How are
0: they going to do that?
3: Gonna... I don't
2: know. <laughs> they can sure, ask.
0: Can I see your insurance card?
3: Before yes, I exactly. You? And then
2: shoot me. Yeah, that's fine.
0: What if you don't uh... have one? Then they'll just come back later. Yeah, I
2: mean, <laughs> I mean that would just be the nice thing to do.
0: All right, shall we
3: move on? Oh my goodness, this is like already escaping.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's yeah. We're not even on (laughs) slide two. No, we're still on the titles. Twenty minutes in.
3: Uh, Okay, well, so we've established that this is kind of a historical. a slow walk up a a hill, maybe, you know, it's, it didn't just, uh, somebody didn't wake up one morning and say, gosh, wouldn't it be great if everyone was a virgin until they got married? It was (laughs) literally like something that was, um, it culminated. It was a movement and Mm -hmm. these things don't just start out of the blue. Um, but first I would like to talk about the first time that I ever experienced somebody, you know, giving me the whole spiel that we're all very familiar with at this time
0: um Th- those of us who uh <laughs> I grew think up everybody in has
3: heard it though like with the well, absence yeah. only in schools oh, true. i feel yeah, like this is something everyone has been kind of we know what people feel about exposed too yeah mm-hmm. so um when i was 13 i went to a kind of a like a sleepaway camp in, oh it was um, life wasn't it uh-huh in orlando florida Um, And it was kind of a, it wasn't a camp camp, like a canoe and cabin camp. It was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, flashy, an auditorium. It was a
0: conference. Yeah,
3: with a rally. It was like a rally with um, speakers and um, rock music and like (laughs) adults talking to teens. And you know how good
2: that Uh, goes. We need need to put rock music in quotations.
0: Hey, I've played for you (laughs) Audio (laughs) Adrenaline and DC Talk and
2: the newsboys were
0: there. The Mm newsboys, those crazy boys from Australia. One of them was bald, (laughs) like R.E.M., right?
3: (laughs) I think so. But um, I was, it was a really overwhelming experience because the first time that I've ever been um, away from my family for probably more than an overnight thing that was not with a relative, right? And Mm -hmm. I didn't, I only knew one person there. So I was in a, I was with hundreds, if not thousands of people that I didn't know far away from home, was, and it was all very overwhelming. <clears throat> and I don't remember anything about it except for this one yeah. speaker. And she was a um, big, like a, like a she was a 90s church lady. So she had the polyester pantsuit and like the big frizzy hair and the costume jewelry. And um, she was doing something that like, church ladies didn't do which was talk about sex and mm-hmm. for those of us who grew up in religion like we had these things called object lessons like from the age of probably two we started with these object lessons in religion like you said jesus is like this or god is like this and you would show an object and then you show something happening to the object you say this is what happens when um you do this right and her object lesson was um a white tissue, right? So she <laughs> held up this white Kleenex tissue. I can make so many she...
2: jokes right now.
3: <laughs> Don't. Let's not. Uh, but this is what she said. I I, this is what I remember from this conference. She said that if you if if you let somebody touch you sexually, this is what happens to your purity. And this tissue represents your purity. And she like just took it and like tore a little side of it, right? And she said, if you let as you get older and you let more and more people touch you, this is what happens to your purity. And she starts like ripping up this tissue and then she like holds it up and it's like Mm. magnified all over the auditorium and jumbotrons and stuff. And she says, is this what you want to offer your husband on your wedding day?
0: And, of course, it's the husband, too. The, the, this, we'll talk, I'm sure, I, I'm about think, how it's geared towards mostly women. But. I'm thinking
2: it would have been hilarious if she gave that lecture in a Catholic church about touching people.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah. So. I
3: couldn't, uh-huh. I couldn't, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: The so, priest would be sitting over there sweating.
0: But, but <laughs> you, so so, I've mentioned, like, because in talking about Tacoa Falls and I was very very light on the Christian missionary Alliance and tried to be extremely <clears throat> objective but people know and I have mentioned the specific denomination that we grew mm. up in um and this is a conference I don't I actually don't know if they still do it but they did it annually or no no every so, like, two like or three every two years, years. Mm-hmm. yeah called life and they would have it, yeah it was basically like a kid's Well, teen, 13
3: and older. Well, 13 to 18.
0: Yeah. And you were super young when you went. Well, that's the thing is I was 13
3: and like I had no plans to have sex with anyone in the auditorium or in the (laughs) whole world. Right. Like this was not something that I was really like you're interested in like learning about what sex is because hitherto for no human adult had ever spoken to me about it. But yeah. um, the idea that you're telling a, a little kid this and it's mm-hmm. so crazy. Mm-hmm. And then after she does this object lesson, she says, um, like, here, I'm going to give you this card and I want you to read it. Um, and this is what the card true said it said, wish. true love it's waits a for marriage. Uh, and yeah. this, is, uh, this uh, is the exact card uh, because I remember it so clearly. Like, this is the font, this is everything. Oh my God. Um, I make a commitment to God, to myself, to my family, to those I date, and to my future spouse and future children, that from this day forward, with God's grace, I will be sexually pure by practicing the virtue of chastity, and I will remain a virgin until the day I enter into the sacrament of marriage. And so she a signature launches,
0: date line. Yeah, it's a contract. <laughs> like, it's, like a, it's a, a fucking contract. contract. Mm-hmm. It's
3: so a contract she, with God. The speaker, like, launches it's into like this... Um, this speech, like, about sex is so great. It is the most wonderful, most miraculous gift that God gives our human forms, but it is only great if you wait. So... (laughs) No, actually, it's worse. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, not only is it the best thing ever after you get married, but the world, the world out there has military militarily, militaristically Mm -hmm. organized itself to try and force you to have sex before you're married. Like it is with with subliminal advertisements, with like overt advertisements, Mm -hmm. with, you know, like there's people out on the street corners handing you pornography to try to make you like fall off this path of saving yourself until marriage. Um, That even though your body is created by God in his image and even though. Um, he has plans for your body. You cannot trust your body and the way that your body feels and the things that your body wants. So you, she's saying com- all these... Go ahead. Yeah,
0: I'm, so- I'm sorry, Anna, but just to be like, when I was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's that, and that goes to a much larger issue in a lot of evangelical Christian circles, which is the persecution complex, the idea that everybody is out to get you. Because the devil is like a roaring lion walking to and fro. And so you have to like so, so that's what I meant by yeah, that you're right. It's not that yes, people no, no. really are trying to get you to have sex, well, okay. but if I say that, something that was the religious mindset.
3: that you agree with, you can say amen. Mm-hmm. And if I say something like this is what Christians think and you say yes, that just means you're agreeing with me. <laughs>
0: Does that work? <laughs> there you go.
3: <laughs> so um then she starts she starts jumping around and running around the stage, and she's like, sex is so great with my husband. I love having <laughs> sex with my husband. God loves me having sex with my husband. And, like, I'm 13. I'm looking at her. I'm like, you look like my mom. Oh, you look cringe. like all the women oh, that that's I know. Disgusting. And Not
2: your mom. I <laughs> am <laughs> so, like, The thought of it.
3: Well, if my mom was jumping around talking about having sex with my dad, I'd be, like, gross. And that's how I felt, is, like, this is the most disgusting thing that I've ever heard. Like, I know what sex is. She hasn't, like, really spoken about that other than, like, it rips your tissue of purity. (laughs) But, like... I know this is something I'm not interested in is whatever she is on, right? So, like, I'm just thinking to myself, this is disgusting, I can't handle this. And, I I mean, I'm 13, Mm -hmm. of course, I can't handle that. Yeah, it's it's not
0: even, like, appropriate, age-appropriate at that point. Um, Even from that really fucked-up viewpoint, it's still not age-appropriate. I'm not even sure that's an... Nobody wants a middle-aged woman... To talk to teenagers about teenagers, no. think about that. No, they do a, a middle-aged woman is telling teenagers how great sex is with her husband. That's like that's patently inappropriate. Inappropriate. That's
3: uh-huh.
2: either that or it's an endorsement. Like one no, it's edit.
0: fucked up. Is what it is. It's fucked
3: up. <laughs> no one wanted to know. And I mean, you're sitting there like with all these other people. Oh, I, I
2: bet. I bet some of the other. I bet some of the older, like the twenty and thirty, they're like, hmm, yeah, the tell twenty. Us about it because I'm because I'm yeah. still a virgin because I haven't gotten anybody to marry me yet.
3: So I mean that was kind of like my first like this is what sex is. this is what sex is. Uh, mm. what a horrible introduction. Um, and I, that's not that doesn't change for evangelicals. there's no, no. there is no message about sex positivity or sex being anything right. but something that's great after marriage and that will destroy you prior. So that, that's the only message that they get, and I can guarantee you that. There might be some liberal evangelicals maybe somewhere mm-hmm. out there who are telling their kids a different message. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's please the find those people for me because mm-hmm. I don't believe they exist. So, again, this is something that I'm experiencing firsthand. This is 1995, um, and at just for people who don't know, and I'm – as i go through that like i'm not this is not me like trying to tear the church down Mm -hmm. or like religion in america i'm not trying to offend anyone yeah that's what i'm I'm here for like to be (laughs) so careful like i'm just telling you facts you know i'm not saying a judgment on Mm -hmm. on what's happening or what people do but like this was my experience and
2: well you're you're trying to convey how you felt about it right Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that
3: right and and other people felt like this too but yes. i feel like this mm-hmm. is really is not a story about me or about teenagers in general right because we are not we were not uh making the story right we're not creating this narrative it wasn't us it was our parents mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so to me like once i started thinking about uh who, why, who, why, how, what, uh. As soon as I, like, <laughs> try to start thinking that through, it kind of starts making a lot of sense. Because if you think about, um, my parents were baby boomers. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like they were on the, um, they weren't on the cusp. You could do the math, but I feel like the people who were spearheading um, this movement, they were baby boomers. Or a little bit older, who had teenagers in the nineties and early two thousands, and if you start mm-hmm. to think about uh, the what shaped our parents' beliefs system, mm-hmm. it, it's you start thinking there was a really interesting time when they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of things that were happening um, in the sixties and seventies when they were teenagers that were shaping them. You know, mm-hmm. we had. i've kind of picked out a few things that i feel like probably really affected them but at the same time Mm -hmm. like you're it's it's media
2: that's Mm -hmm. that's affecting
3: them is the same way that they say that media will affect us to corrupt us but Mm -hmm. um finally you know they're watching the civil rights movement on tv Mm -hmm. they're watching the vietnam war they're watching the the commentary of the sexual revolution, they're watching second wave feminism. And finally in 1973, they're watching Roe v. Wade. So all of these things were extremely counter to the things that they held very, very dear, which was the nuclear family. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things that were extremely important to us culturally and that were making us a progressive (laughs) nation Right. Made them go, how do I frame this in a pro-Christian way? And it was, Mm -hmm. like, legit impossible. You can't, you Mm -hmm. can't, there's, like, you can't find in the Bible where any of this is a good thing if you take it literally. So, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, when this happens, Mm -hmm. and it happens, like, once or twice per generation, Mm -hmm. that when christians perceive society unraveling and getting t- you know morally ruptured they feel mm-hmm. like it's like the end times and that yep. it's time that and i don't i don't get the, the correlation between like okay it's the end times we have to like get louder <laughs> <laughs> but apparently like you know you feel like you're out of control that, that this is mm-hmm. the worst time in the world and they actually try to like dial it back and be like you know we need to get back we need to get back to our beliefs. No, that what they need
2: to get what they need to get back to and what you mentioned what you were just talking about what they need to and want to get back to is control because yeah. that's what they've lost.
0: Yeah. Correct. But but interestingly, well cuz do you remember we were watching that? Uh, we, we were watching a YouTube series that David likes called Renegade Cut. Is mm-hmm. that what it's called? Yeah. And he covered. I highly
2: recommend it, by the way.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. He covered. Uh, this, this this YouTuber covered um, the Left Behind series very thoroughly. And it was an hour and 50 minutes yes. long. We didn't even watch the whole thing. But in the context of evangelical Christianity, like really interestingly. And he hearkened back to the times of Larry Norman, I wish we'd all been ready, which you're absolutely, A Thief in the Night completely was a phenomenon of like the early 70s evangelical church.
3: But see, that's the thing is it wasn't, like evangelicals had been around for a while and here are some things that they also thought were signs of the end times. Uh, Abolition of slavery. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. Um, immigration. I
0: I get what you're saying. Like it's it's cyclical. Yeah. Women,
3: vote, women as well Women voting Yeah. Suffrage. H- end times, mm-hmm. uh, and currently COVID nineteen. End times. Yeah. End yeah. times. Right. So so that's just
0: like that. That's just like the the <laughs> what, what what is it even like the the recurring theme is oh this must be the end times oh this must be the end times.
2: Oh so, God! Oh, these fucking what? A, what, a, what a lineup! Oh, uh, like, talk shit. about like the X Men. If the X Men were a bunch of assholes, I like have, these three guys. You
0: know, I gotta say, my feelings of Billy Graham are complicated. This my is, uh, feelings of his son are not.
2: No, this is a uh, is that Jerry Falwell? Jerry Falwell. That is Jerry Falwell. Sorry, yeah, I'm showing I'm showing
3: a
0: slide um,
3: for yeah, viewers so at Jerry home. Fallwell, Billy Graham <laughs> and James Dobson. So oh, these three. These three men, um, because there was these younger generation who were, they believed in Jesus, but they were so scared about what was going on in the world... Because of the visual news media that was coming into their homes, and now they, you know, they're like, you know, what would be great is if we could go back to mm-hmm. our forefathers' original intent. Let's go back to old-fashioned values and blah blah blah. That it just kind of was um, like a super soft landing for these three, and it's kind of this trifecta, mm-hmm. if you think about it. You've got. Mm-hmm. Billy Graham, who is this evangelical revivalist, and he's the back, too. Mm -hmm. He's like, we got to be fierier. We've got to be more charismatic. We've got to, you know, like, um, uh, reach everyone, and we have to blah, blah, blah. And then you have um, Jerry Falwell, who was, like, economical, and he was Mm -hmm. political. So he wanted political power, and he used, Mm -hmm. like, probably 10 volts of gold to get it. (laughs) And then you have James Dobson who said, Ugh. well, the answer to this is the white nuclear family. Right. Like, keep that together, the nation will be saved. Have anything anti one white man, one white woman, their white children, you will, the nation will just, mm-hmm. like, the end times will be ushered by us because of this. Right.
2: Yeah, I don't know exactly how I feel about Billy Graham either, because I don't I don't know a whole lot about him. I know he's from here,
3: but, but not from the, Raleigh, but he's I think from
2: North here's Carolina. The funny
0: thing, because I never thought of it this way, Sarah. The way you're kind of introducing these guys, because they were all like popping up popularly <clears> on the scene <throat> at the same time. They're all different sides of the same coin, and it's funny because I've always been a little bit like, like I kind of feel like Billy Graham was honest and trying it was just over something untrue but maybe he really thought it was where i see the other two is hucksters especially oh hell follow. yeah
2: especially follow well these two guys i know uh, Dobson, I know who Dobson, these guys are and their Dobson's politics.
0: Dobson's very into control, but yeah. I'm not sure about his actual belief. Like, clearly this is all subjective.
2: Yeah, Dobson and Falwell can go fuck themselves. But, and Falwell's son can watch his wife get fucked by somebody else. Oh, which apparently is what he's into.
1: Ding! <laughs> but, which is
2: fine, by the way. If that's what you're into.
0: As long as you're not lying in As mind. long as
2: you're not bullshitting your, your yeah, flock.
0: Yeah. But, um but but it's funny because of these three, Billy Graham is like sort of the j- ju- i i'm i just love people and I just want everybody to be saved like that that is sort of like i wonder if it, <laughs> i wonder if it sort of uh, like. My own complications about feelings towards Billy Graham are like clouded by a weird white saviorism. You know, like it's it's weird. Falwell is a, is a charlatan. Yeah,
2: Falwell's a hack. Dobson,
0: yeah. I think, is possibly the scariest of them all because yeah. he was maybe exerting a lot more control. Because focus on the family. And oh, that it, that has a very it, that has, was a very,
2: it has a very has uh, a very hidden message to it.
0: Well, no, no there was, was no hidden message.
3: James Dobson yeah. said. Mm-hmm. that poverty inequality any issue any social issue we are facing would be solved by religion and the nuclear mm-hmm. family so it you know that he was saying that poverty is a punitive punishment for people not being married and this is why I keep saying white is because like he they are talking about white families Mm -hmm. they're not talking about black families or latino families Mm -hmm. or any sort of other family off their radar they're saying we don't want to Mm -hmm. be like them
0: that's what he's saying
2: and it's also in the uh the poverty being tied to morality is something that has stuck ever since
0: yeah yeah that's true like like you're poor you're poor because of you
2: yeah like you didn't try hard enough and you didn't believe in Fuck that. So, Fuck these people.
0: Because uh, if, if you really believed in Jesus, you'd be rich. Yeah, you'd be rich. Yeah.
2: Like, just like he wanted. Or at least not in poverty. Oh, except that Jesus didn't want that. But that's another story.
3: <laughs> so for those who are not in the know about uh, Jerry Falwell Sr., this is not Jr., this is way before Jr.'s time, but this is Sr., was he started this thing called the Moral Majority. And this was literally a... Uh, evangelical force to get control of American politics.
2: Right. So, it's, a, it's a political movement disguised as a...
0: To meld church and
3: state.
2: Exactly. completely It's a political movement disguised as a Christian. To the founding
0: of the mm. nation and the Constitution.
1: Yep.
3: Um, well, strangely enough, he opposed media outlets who he accused of promoting anti-family agenda, so I feel like that's a little unconstitutional. Yeah. He opposed equal rights amendments, <clears throat> so he had no interest in women or um, minorities having any sort of saying anything is he... senior
0: alive is, is no I think, oh, I think he
2: died recently i think he died just only a couple years ago though
0: good, good riddance to bad yeah. rubbish
3: I, he hope very famous... I hope hell
2: exists specifically for him
3: he very famously said that um he, abortion should be illegal and punishable even in cases of incest or rape he claimed that christian prayer had been stripped of from school and that Children would be punished if they prayed in school, but we needed to force schools to force children to pray. And he yeah, because wanted that's not
2: something you can do in church or anything.
3: Mm-hmm. He he desperately wanted to convert Jews. And other non Christians, so this was <laughs> which came up in the renegade <laughs> yes, cut, yes, yeah, it did. that's something
0: David yes, didn't did. didn't know about was like the white evangelical Christian obsession with I,
2: Jewish yeah, people. I, I knew it existed. I just don't know why the or whole what it's about. For Jesus no, and I have no idea what what's it behind is that. Fucked up, yeah.
3: Yeah. You know. So the whole point of this is just that you know, like prior to now, we had government. And prior to now, we had religion, we had church and we had state. And for James Dobson and Jerry Falwell and aided and abetted by Billy Graham by becoming an evangelical advisor to the Mm -hmm. White House. That's true.
0: He was. That is problematic.
3: They wanted to blur... These lines, and I don't mean blur as in like, oh, well, let's just you know, like blend a little more. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. wanted to obliterate these lines, yeah. So, um,
2: and, and so far, they've mostly succeed, succeeded, sadly. Oh,
3: well, you know, 1980, oh, a for you. look at there, oh
2: god, 1980, these two assholes.
3: I, I don't know who came up with this idea, but you know, Ronald Reagan and Nancy No Drugs ran. Their <laughs> campaign on traditional values and, like again, we're talking about very coded, white nuclear family. Yep. Yeah. Um, By the language. way, do you know what
2: do you know what uh, Ronald Reagan's nineteen eighty campaign slogan was? No. Let's make America great again.
3: Hmm. Yeah. she's
2: I wonder wonder where we've heard that from recently. Who we've heard that from recently?
3: So Ronald Reagan and Jerry Falwell, like they f- they got married, right? They married. Evangelical Christians with the Republican Party. Like from then on, being Republican was an integral part of evangelical faith. Yes, Um, agreed. I maybe there because before
2: because before this, evangelicals largely sat out of politics. Am I correct? Christians
0: writ large. There was a large in Protestantism, at least. I don't. I can't speak to Catholicism, but in protestantism there was a long tradition of relatively like no hands contact not that people didn't vote or anything but but it wasn't they were
2: pushing an agenda through they
0: weren't weren't preaching from the pulpit politics um which they started doing which is actually against the law yes
2: it is well, not um, anymore
0: for but... tax exempt status. Yeah,
2: but it's not anymore.
0: It's they. Did they? Are you fucking yeah, kidding
2: me? They got rid of that me? That was the one of the first things that happened under Trump's.
0: Fucking tax the <laughs> shit out of those churches. Yeah. I swear, I swear to fucking. Okay, I'm getting angry now because sorry. we started talking about taxes. No, that's okay.
3: Go ahead. So, I mean obviously the fallout was huge i i see these like as kind of a power couple right we've got this guy
2: oh yeah ronald reagan
3: we've got this guy jerry falwell and it was it's just a like a a marriage between church and oh sorry how did that get in there i'm so sorry Sorry.
0: (laughs) i didn't mean that what, uh, was that Junior? No, it was Jerry Falwell Jr. I mean, Trump. it's Trump. legitimately yeah. the same picture.
3: Look at how yep. his dad's mm-hmm. pointing; he's pointing. I mean, it's just—he looks like his dad too. Insidious. It's amazing. So he's
2: like—he's like—I like. No, go back to the Jerry Falwell Jr. one. He's like, he's like, look at him, like, going after my wife. He's good. Yeah, they
0: actually look they actually look way creepier than Reagan and Sr.
2: Reagan <laughs> and Sr.
0: were almost like jolly. These guys are, like, Well, because this
2: guy shit. has, we're not, we're not even sure what that is on his head, but it's certainly wow. not hair. But, like, look at the, he he looks like he's looking at a 12-year-old girl. Oh, God. That's what, he, that's what Trump looks like right there. I'll put it back like, to
0: this,
3: yeah. one. this one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, like, it, it kind of looks like these are just two jolly, like, white, like, yes. sort of misguided white men, you know, but they are kind uh-huh. of the fathers of what happened mm-hmm. next. Um, yeah. So,
2: what's, what's been happening since. Yeah.
3: Uh, another thing that I want to stress, you know, this also helped further segregate churches because
1: mm-hmm.
3: at that time, and I, don't want to speak for black people but you sure. know according to the way that they've traditionally voted as a mm-hmm. people group it, they were voted democratic right so right. when mm-hmm. you got up on your Still pulpit do. and you said yeah. look we are republicans this is what we believe you you alienated yeah everyone but mm-hmm. white people so i again yeah. want to stress that this is this is setting us up for this movement and it was predominantly for white boys and girls.
0: Yeah, that's kind of my yes. point. A
3: lot of other things happened, but my point is this also contributed to this being a problem in mostly predominantly white churches. Uh, the my kind of my point of talking about this though is that you know I'm saying this is not a story about me as a teenager though it is, sure. and it's not a story about teenagers evangelical teenagers though it is Mm -hmm. like really this is a story about their parents but Mm -hmm. now i'm saying this is not just a story about their parents it's the story about christian leaders Mm -hmm. so like now we're kind of like you know the the pyramid of um submission Mm -hmm. you are now like up at the top like the top brass is what who is dictating Mm -hmm. sexual politics sexual morality Mm-hmm. to their, you know, quote-unquote flock. Mm-hmm. And I really think that this is probably the first time that an old white man is, like, getting up in front of a church and saying sex, you know, sex. Yeah. yeah and true. what they're saying about sex is just, like, this super um, narrow-minded thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Meanwhile, you know, this is the now we're now we're into the 80s, you know, we're past the 70s. We've got Ronald Reagan. We're like taking back the country. Um, And this, this is like evangelical flex. Right. But like the 80s in general is already doing a really, really good job of scaring people about mm-hmm. sex. So not only do you have the evangelical leaders who are like. I know what you need to do in bed, but you've also got the 80s who are saying things like there is stranger danger, mm-hmm. there is a satanic panic, mm-hmm. there is HIV AIDS, and now there's abortion and teen pregnancy. And so, I, I
2: very much, as a, as a kid in grade school in the 80s, looking back on it, now that you have this list and I'm looking mm-hmm. at it, I'm like, for every, I'm going to guess... Fought four out of five after-school specials. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) We're about one of these four topics: Uh stranger danger, satanic panic, HIV/AIDS, abortion, teen pregnancy. And I know because I watched those stupid after-school specials. (laughs) HBO did even did a series on them.
3: And I'm not saying like this is the only thing that people in the '80s focused on.
2: No, but I
3: really want to call the attention to the underlying theme. It was.
2: It was certainly a cultural. It was certainly tactics. a, a mm-hmm. cultural touchstone, it, like it's these scare,
3: It's fear of sex. Mm-hmm. Fear, all of these yeah. things. The only thing that draws them together and makes them a common theme and a common thread is that they're all um, a, a danger of sex. Like this is all yeah. about sex. This is all about the dangers of sex, the consequences of sex, um, the concern about sexual politics. And it's some all of these things were things that parents as responsible parents had to worry about, Mm -hmm. right, like protecting their kids from. So Mm -hmm. this is we're just building on to this fear, this fear of like social um, change and um, things that do not look like you. Now we're adding these intense like uh, churning of guilt and emotion and all this like unsafe stuff. That now is a a part of your dialogue of like what you have to protect your family from. Mm-hmm.
2: and the uh the satanic panic very much coincided with the rise of heavy metal music, which was also used, what which was also used as a crutch. like see if you have sex with one of these guys, you'll mm-hmm. probably get pregnant.
0: well, and it's like a uh, stranger danger like someone They're will get you worshipers. and abuse you. Yeah. Satanic panic. there's like ritual abu- sexual mm-hmm. abuse sexual abuse. Uh, HIV AIDS you have sex you'll die Uh, abortion teen pregnancy you have sex you'll get pregnant and uh, uh, are we getting into the gender politics of this at all I mean you can't not unfortunately I'm I'm trying
3: to because because this was a line that in my life it was presented to both male and female teens Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say like you know but but just by sheer dint and it, yes like okay we're gonna read some stuff by debbie pearl so oh
2: my god i Pearls. don't know who, who sorry sorry it just comes who up who is that w pearl
0: okay
3: sounds like it's a did harm. These talk about trigger harm. warning um <laughs> so you know luckily as we enter the 90s and we're becoming you know media savvy um people uh Thankfully, you know, Christians becoming a group who they like to think things through logically and sensibly. They were you know, like able to say, hey, you know what? Let's take a balanced look on how to keep families safe and healthy, including our coming of age teens. Just kidding. That was, that was not what they said at all.
0: Oh, my God.
3: So, again, like through all this fear and despair and the end times and everything that's going on, like, I feel like the most like viscous strand of Christian narrative was that the heterosexual nuclear family was God's plan. Right. And not only that, it was the only sane way of living. Any other way of living was like you are rotten. And not only that, but it's under attack from all sides from democrats and liberals homosexuals feminists um growing dangers of divorce and Mm -hmm. like you know the pornographic media that they all talked about um which Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i i was very young when i was kind of just like I've never, like, a Democrat has never come up to me and been like, destroy traditional <laughs> families.
1: And I've never had a gay person come up to me and be
3: like, if I can't get married, you can't get married. And a feminist, you know, like, all they wanted was to, like, politely request that maybe women aren't considered, you know, baby breeding bags and maybe they might want to get a job or a college <laughs> education. Like, <laughs> so, uh, you like, can't I not not You can't
2: have goals of your own. What do you think you are?
3: But this is a, the line, and factually, yeah. oh, this is was. what they thought because it that's is. what they told yeah, us it is. as kids. True. Uh-huh. So I, I just don't. This is so much fear. Like I mm-hmm. get, like I'm dragged down down thinking about, like thinking about if I thought mm-hmm. this, like oh,
2: yeah. how scared I would be. Oh my god! I, I know be.
0: the psychic burden of it. Oh, is, is real? Is massive and frankly unsustainable like on some level you have to preserve yourself either by escaping or by denying on some level and like not thinking about it that's what worked for me when I still believed it but didn't and, couldn't handle it because nobody can handle this level of fear
2: and, and there is vast speculation and I think justifiably so that Part of the reason that Reagan's response on AIDS was slow, slow was because of the Christian oh, fundamentalist yes. pricks that he had around him, being like, "No, ju- it's just the fags that are getting it, and they're they're gonna die." So, and that's what we want, right? You know? I mean, it literally took him, yeah, till 1987. For using
0: that word, that's a little. I mean, I understand that you're using it yes. in, a, in a mocking context I towards am. Reagan. Uh, and that that's probably literally
3: what they a, I'm
2: sure that's exactly what Jerry Falwell said. But, to him, um, well in my those my words.
3: slide my slide up I don't know exactly what um date this is from this is from mm-hmm. some I think it, it says 1989. Yeah, September 1989.
2: Since, since, oh, since September 1989. So, so it was after 1989. Okay. Nine. We're
3: not we're now in the 90s. This is just something I, a little clip this of a sermon 90s. that I came across um by they've archived this dead pastors sermons um by oh scanning all and it's his all notes. To yeah. sorry and sorry. um even though like yes that was the the party line was that well it's happening to gay people why do we have to worry about it like here i'm showing you proof like this is in his um sermon that sex before marriage can be deadly it can be deadly because of aids The rate of heterosexual HIV transmissions has increased 44% since September 1989. Once you get this disease, you will die. Sex before marriage can be deadly because of AIDS. So it's not just, they're not really like, uh, yeah, they think like, okay, it is a gay disease. But at the same time, if they can use this panic... To further their, you know, like no sex before marriage mm-hmm. message, they're going to use it and, like, oh, it's increased 44%. <laughs> wow, that and, must and mean for, like two instead of one person got it. You know, I don't, I have for, no idea.
2: And for them to take advantage of this as a panic was a layup for them. We're mm-hmm. like we're like we have definitive proof that sex can kill you. Like we're right, we're we're taking this thing right to the goal line. But
0: also talking out both sides of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Like this is God's judgment yeah. on the gays. No. But also, if you have heterosexual sex, you can get this. Th- this so a, this is a complete
2: like... layup for them. This was this was so easy to to manipulate.
0: It's awful.
3: And this is not just a religious fear. Obviously, like. Yeah. Everyone is afraid of AIDS. Everyone is afraid of the rising teen pregnancy
0: Mm -hmm. uh, rates.
3: Um, Might have been because you cut
2: some school budgets here and there. Well, started
0: abstinence only education, sex education. Well, what's happening is that it's
3: not a rising rate of teen pregnancy. What's happening is that the black teen pregnancy now white teen pregnancy is coming up even with it so Mm -hmm. now we're worried about it because (laughs) in 1993 charles murray he's a conservative republican but he's not an evangelical he's not a christian he's a social scientist and he Mm -hmm. wrote an essay called the coming white underclass (laughs) and this like made the rounds right this is a historical um sort of report that this guy is saying like his whole thing and and you can read it and it's so bad Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend reading it it's very upsetting but um his thing was like we don't want our white girls to become like these black girls so we need to do something now we need now we need to change things Mm. so all of these things kind of like coalesced and even though we had a democrat in in um The White House. This is Clinton era. Clinton.
2: In in name only. I mean, looking back, he was really a Republican.
0: (laughs) Gotcha.
3: (laughs) We now started looking at the the regulation of sex, right? So we're writing abstinence education Mm -hmm. programs Mm -hmm. into federal funding. Um, And just overall in the media, teen pregnancy is now a part of our... Nations dialogue, right? Yeah. This is not. This is something that's picked up by Bill Clinton and the Surgeon General, mm-hmm. and it goes on to you know like George Bush, mm-hmm. um, the second. You know, like this. These are all like part of their campaigns and they're part of their dialogues. It's just, it's, it's huge. Yeah. At and, this that, and it was,
2: it was happening the entire time I was in high school, so I remember it very well.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We call Bush Jr. baby Bush, by the way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, geez.
2: 1995, S- the year I graduated high school.
0: <laughs> so remember- uh, are
1: we talking Josh Harris? Are we
0: talking Josh Harris? Yes. Do you remember
3: me as a little thirteen-year-old girl and how I had to sign this card that like yeah. forced me to pledge my purity to God and my family and my future <clears> husband <throat> and like my future children, like <laughs> yeah. my children? Like to for them some too. reason, they're interested in like what like like the unborn children are going to be like. You hey, mom, don't did you say to hear about <laughs>
0: who you slept with? No, they don't. In any context, they
3: no. don't care. They I don't, don't want
2: e- to hear it. I don't even want to hear how I was made. <laughs> but you had to. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> the one time I had, I saw my mother hammered, she decided to tell me that story. And I was just like, I really don't want to Hopefully hear
0: this. she's not listening to this episode. Huh? <laughs> Hopefully she's not listening. Oh, yet. I hope
2: she is. Because she should feel that shame.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Continue. It's okay. I mean, so uh, other than
3: that one while we While we both
2: chug a beer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> other than that one experience with that <laughs> woman, you know, tearing up the tissue, that was kind of like my sex education, right? Um, mm-hmm. And my point is, is like, up until what I'm going to talk about, like, the church just didn't talk about it. And I, I know it was probably my age or whatever, But, like, a couple things happened in my life that just brought um, this issue, like, dominated me.
1: Uh, And
3: it was uh, predominantly, like, we moved from, like, kind of being, like, church shoppers or, like, we'd switch churches mm -hmm. every once in a while or we'd move and, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd never really get um, integrated into a church or, like, have, you know, what they call a quote-unquote church family or a home Mm -hmm. church or whatever... Yeah, but at that point 90- you weren't
2: staying anywhere long enough to no. cultivate yeah. like a long term relationship with anybody.
3: But in 1995, when I was 14, we moved and went to like. In hindsight, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. It was it was just a really uh, it was a mess of a church. It was a, it was actually 96. Oh, was to it 96? It was
0: 96.
2: You talking about yeah. in Kendall? Is that where you moved back to?
0: Yeah, we're not going to get too identifying oh, as to the church. Sorry. But yes, when we I'm moved just... to Miami. When okay. we moved back to Miami, yeah. Yes, okay. and you're right. We lived in Kendall. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm.
3: So um, yes, it, we they were just...
0: Uh, they were dealing
3: with everything that was going on the same as anybody, right? So not only were they an evangelical church, but there's all these sociopolitical changes.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um they don't have the tools to handle these things in a progressive way. Um, and I feel like because they were a white English speaking evangelical church in a not predominantly necessarily white neighborhood or city,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, they had a fear of not being relevant.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But all they had on deck really was like, morals that i'm trying to think of like a a decade where they wouldn't have agreed with the morals and i come up with 1920 like their morals 1910 1890s like that those were the morals that they Mm -hmm. had to offer to address all of this socio and economical and morality changes that were going on um and it was a very small church like max Mm -hmm. I want to say like a hundred people normally at, at, at max. At, and those were max. during good,
0: good periods. Yeah. Cause I used to be part of who took attendance mm-hmm. and I helped my grandmother count them donations to get the bank deposit ready. So Yeah. So, and it
3: was a very small denominational evangelical church, and it was just run like all churches are run, which is to say with no little guidance and zero oversight. And it was until, run by...
0: Until, interestingly, until you start losing money, and that is what ended up being the downfall of the church, Our the church we went to, was there was, there, they weren't bringing enough money. <laughs> Um, I don't want to oversimplify, but that's my opinion.
3: (laughs) And it was being led by inexperienced, uneducated people. And I don't mean uneducated, like they didn't have degrees, but they didn't normally. But like they weren't educated in leadership. Right. Their main qualifications were just that they were men and that they knew Mm -hmm. Bible verses like those. Mm -hmm. That was their resume for leading people and telling people what to do and how to think.
0: And importantly, um, in this denomination, uh, women were explicitly, and I believe still are, uh, excluded from any sort of major leadership role in the organization. And, yes,
3: just like I have in my notes to like pause here and say, um, kind of a standard disclaimer, right? That I they were all extremely pure of heart. So I'm oh, great. I'm not building up this like and then they you know tied us up and beat us type of no. a thing like I can't <laughs> no. I cannot point to a moment where anyone was malicious
1: mm-hmm. and I can't
3: point to a moment where I felt like they you know were trying to punish me or trying to like make anyone feel bad really um, something like I've really had to come to terms recently like think re having to like kind of re- mentally rehash over this is just like. I don't have to believe in the same good as you to believe that you're a good person. You know, uh, you're the things that you believed, like I don't have to believe that they're true to, in order for me to just be like, you know, you're, you're still a good person. They were good people. And I'm not trying to, and and God forbid anyone ever listen to me talk, but I don't want to say that. And I don't want anyone to, to feel like that's what I'm saying. So I just want to like get that in. Mm -hmm. But uh, like i'm sitting here and i'm i'm their age the ages that they were maybe my age or a little bit older and i i just can't fathom what was going on in their heads mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that what what happened happened i i am absolutely gobsmacked i don't understand and i never understood it i don't know if i'll ever become old enough to understand it really that's
0: you know that's so bizarre i never thought of that like that we are gaining on the age that they were I mean part of it is a lot of them have had kids so like we weren't in the same life situation per se but yeah we are closer to like their age that they were then um, Mm -hmm. now and and it's it is a little disorienting to think like at this age really because it almost made sense when I was 12 but like now
3: So I I just want to say a few things about like what I immediately stepped into age I guess 15 what we're talking about is I was 15 years old and this is like you know like oh first Sunday at a new church and like this is what was going on Um they mm. had just excommunicated somebody so they had literally followed a biblical pro- protocol to kick somebody out of their club and tell him to never come back because of, I think, something sexual. So, like, this was the first time, and I don't really want to say – I always had this kind of feeling about, like, the the religion that I was in was kind of a fun Bible camp religion, and you had a lot of, like, good activities, and you could, like, make macaroni noodle necklaces (laughs) – I so was little cool when a kid, <laughs> remember, like with these cool too. Bible stories, these really cool Bible stories. Um, but I always had that kind of feeling, like that, like eventually I get to this age where I would be. They'd finally say, "Okay, you know, you're done with the Santa Claus, Jesus part. Mm. Now let's talk about real stuff and mm. and reality." And uh, when I got here, I was just like. Fifteen years old, and I'm going. What the crap is going on? They excommunicated somebody. Like Jesus, like, like was it? Was it like a? a was it
2: like a ceremony, or it was it a mention? Like, you know what I mean?
0: Or, or more just like a uh, church rumorish, like the. Is that it, what it was it, like? Scuttlebutt.
2: Okay.
3: Um, you can feel free to verify the whole thing with anyone at that church at that time and they will know about it and they it was in perfect detail so I'm not making it up and I I have nothing to do with this guy and I have nothing to do with the excommunication but it was like Kind of this moment of like, oh, I'm not in
0: Kansas anymore. This is <laughs>
3: especially, real.
2: Especially for a church that only had like at max 100 people, yeah. you would you would think you would want every single person that you could it possibly was weird, get.
0: Man, it was weird. It's kind of hard to explain. So it was, it, it was not Kansas anymore. But
3: it was like, oh my gosh, these adults really believe this stuff. Yeah, like they really. They're, it's not just a line. They're telling kids they really freaking believe this stuff and i was just blown away i couldn't believe it and it upset me and i'm like this is not on this is not me and this is not what i want to do ever i didn't um, know it's gonna be such a big thing <laughs> I thought this is gonna be like a quiet mention <laughs> religious people ex- this, <laughs>
2: We're, we're headed, we're certainly headed towards two parter territory. We might
0: be. We might <laughs> be. Oh, we
2: definitely are. There's, we're only had slide 14 of 33.
0: Sorry. Uh, they go by faster.
3: They go by faster. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, the number two thing was that, like, homeschooling culture in the evangelical community yeah. was rising. And, mm-hmm. like, this church had, like, bought in they were bought in man like the pastor said if i i wish i could find in the bible a verse that would say you must homeschool your kids um, so i'll just
2: make one up
0: he didn't do that
2: <laughs> no i'm kidding uh
0: there were families
2: ezekiel who... twenty-five seventeen,
0: <laughs>
2: the path of the righteous man
0: okay now you're
3: bugging me <laughs> <laughs> the the there are families there where the women basically wore like prairie garments. Yes. So yes. not no not bon- bonnets, but like no pants, no short sleeves, nothing. They were wearing like long skirts and high collars um because to them modesty was like Laura Ingalls, you know, yeah. that's you had to be like milking a cow was kind of like the goal for the female body. That was Believe like what, it or the, not. what the female body could exist in.
2: Believe it or not, there was, like, a little small church school um, in the town I grew up in, and that closed. So all these kids had to go to our regular high school, and the girls did dress like that. Mm. I I remember that very vividly.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, Girls of six or seven who got, like, too rambunctious when they were playing, like, were pulled aside, and they were told um, to have a gentle and quiet spirit. Only girls. So,
0: so... I remember this very specifically with one girl that our pastor, like, literally did that to. Like, she was running around or something, and he scooped her up and kind of like, oh, you're supposed to have a quiet and gentle spirit. It was, I was like, even A six-year-old then, girl. Even, yes, even then, when I was buying into the religion writ large, I was like, dude what was she doing that is giving you she's being a child what oh that was disturbing yes
3: um i can think of one maybe two of the core women of the church who had jobs or any interest in anything in their lives other than being wives and mothers the home yeah so, if a woman did not exhibit a clean house, well-fed and well-dressed children, and public adoration towards her husband—like public adoration towards mm-hmm. her husband—there was concern and, like, forced mentoring to mm-hmm. like help her perform yes. as a wife for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, and then I distinctly remember that the question was raised when I was about 19 years old: if I was qualified and morally able to teach bible stories to boys aged three because i was a woman
0: and, and because boys. women aren't supposed to teach men three
3: three-year-olds year
2: three old. <laughs> when they're not men those are just little boys <laughs> That's, i mean so it there even starts go. back then so but I mean, th-
3: and that, this is that like...
0: included the the baby that we were holding, who was drooling on us, because Sarah and I, um, uh, team taught the youngest kids in Sunday school for a while. Yeah, you told me about and, that. Yeah, and like yeah. literally, this baby that we held, who like just sat there the whole time drooling on us, like were we really qualified? <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: Because we're women to teach a drilling baby. Oh
2: God! It, but is, but was this also at the time when you were teaching uh, violin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was the, the same time of life.
3: So this is like a really interesting ratatouille, right? You've got n- so many components. Kind of, I feel like <laughs> it's like this map of lines of fear, like you know, like pointing directly at this church. And, like, mm-hmm. you're standing in this dot, and this is what's happening, is that there's a clear and present fear that mm-hmm. the world outside the church is just this, like, chaotic stew of satanic AIDS-drenched orgies. That's what the world <laughs> is outside of the church. Yeah. Um, we are... Afraid that women will seek legal abortion if she's sexually active outside of marriage because mm-hmm. because of the stigma that we've created for her. It's not because, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the Bible, but it's also because like we don't want that. We don't want children to grow up in these single parent homes because of the stigma. But like, dude, you're mm-hmm. creating the stigma, and we're you know afraid that people will start thinking for themselves. Obviously. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And we, we
3: have no boundaries. We have no boundaries and no oversight in the sense that we can penalize yeah. anyone who doesn't live up to our standards yeah. because we are God ordained to tell people what to do. And we also have this sense of like super strong belief in homogeny and how good we feel when we are unified in pushing a single agenda.
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: like this feels good to us. We also have one one single pattern of lifestyle for every person on the mm-hmm. face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And this prescribed lifestyle is not just about a woman being a homemaker and the man mm-hmm. being the breadwinner, but it's also about the spiritual and physical hierarchy of control mm-hmm. that we uphold.
0: Literal, literal, spiritual, especially spiritual hierarchy. Like that was a style, like they drilled that in. God is the head, then the man, then the presumed wife, and then the children. Like a literal hierarchy. Literal.
3: And sure, women are at the bottom of the pyramid, right? But it's okay, and it's good, because that's what they were created for. They were And they're created... above the kids!
0: At least they get to be above the
3: kids. <laughs> <laughs> they were created to submit to their husbands. Yeah. And finally, number four, we have noticed that there are several 14, 15, 16-year-old girls walking around on Sundays with breasts and hips on their bodies. How these fucking girls, dare they? These girls are really lovely, with sweet, funny personalities and really good hearts. But like, even their adorable personalities, they just it just brings our attention to their breasts and their <laughs> hips and their legs and their necks and their hair and their eyes. And, and this is so scary and it's so uncomfortable yeah. because we, we know, we just know... The myriad ways boys, boys, are thinking about these girls.
0: It was boys such, are yeah. thinking
3: about how nice it would be to touch and kiss these girls' bodies, and we're, we're just spending so much time like imagining a whole lot of really vivid, really, vivid, detailed stuff that could happen
0: if somebody got close to these girls the objectification is mm-hmm. disgusting in retrospect because it was literally objectification with the the goal or the guise depending on how you look at it of protection
2: i think it was also a lot of projection too well, that's what it sounds like it's, to me
0: it's completely inappropriate on yeah. a whole other level
2: yeah <laughs> jesus so jesus christ
0: god Here's- damn it jesus christ <laughs>
3: Here's a super fun fact about evangelicals.
1: Oh, boy. There is
3: nothing that they like more than a challenge to go the extra mile. (laughs) So if you can convince them... That sounds
2: like a sexual thing, too.
3: (laughs) Maybe that's why sex after marriage is so good. Um, If you can convince them of a mandate or an ideal, they will doggedly attempt with little or no sense or rationale or acknowledgement of like the limits of human possibility to achieve perfection.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Because their goal is to be as perfect as Jesus, who is literally sinless and the perfect perfect son of God. That's the goal here
0: so, so just, a, good, just a good luck with that real quick side rant imagine growing up <laughs> no being told i, I cannot
2: you I can't must be like jesus
0: you must be perfect no. oh by the way you can't be but good luck trying your entire life no that won't lead to any perfectionist issues no thanks that won't lead to being fucked up in the head
2: my mom just told me like i'll never be a professional hockey player <laughs> she was right <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, I wish, like, when I was That's my like,
0: realistic expectations.
3: Uh,
2: like, I wish when she was six, she told me I could have been, like, you I might have tried six, harder, yeah. you know. But other than that, you yeah, know, I hope you're listening to this episode, mom.
3: So, you're using these fears now in a very personal level. You're talking about fear for your literal children, not just your unborn ones. Oh, God. Yeah. And you're talking about being perfectly pure of heart and body. And because of the way that Christians think and they just they escalate it so fast, like it to the most extra level that they can possibly achieve. And and they're just going to use whatever tools they have to achieve these levels of like, well, that's not good enough. So I'm going to go up here and that's not good enough. So I'm going to go all the way up here. Mm And oh, my gosh, that's not good enough. I'm going to go all the way up here. And they're just going to use, you know, baseless claims Cherry picked statistics, and honestly, they used a magnum opus written by a twenty-one-year-old homeschooled virgin. <laughs> so here are the levels I feel like my church attained. <laughs> level one: True love waits. Pledge. This level consists of signing the pledge. You date like a normal person, and you can go back to my slide, but it says people I date. Okay, and you all the normal people around you are dating and your parents had dated the one thing that this level achieves is just that you don't have sex before you're married
2: yeah handies only (laughs)
3: but then there's (laughs) level 10 which is purity in heart body and soul so this level consists of not only do you not have sex before marriage but now Mm. you're even concerned that masturbation and sexual fantasies or thoughts are dishonoring jesus and you start to worry that you're going to have to spend all your time praying away your sexuality until you're mm. married. So, e- part of your prayers include that Jesus not delay in sending your spouse to you, yeah. like because you're actually kind of miserable in this level. <laughs> so, <laughs> level 528 <laughs> is you've actually scaled the thorny peak of purity so high that you're in like thin air and it's so clear and devoid of oxygen that like you can feel God at this level. Like, you are close to his house, but it's okay. Cause it means you can think. Clearly. What's so funny is
0: Sarah is joking, but she's not joking.
2: No, I, I, well, it's trying to, it's trying to achieve perfection, right? <laughs>
3: At this level, in addition to waiting till you have sex, until marriage, and keeping every thought pure and free of lust, you are going to be so extra pure, so pure, that you will pursue an absolutely brand spanking new conception as never before heard or seen in the world, and this is called courtship. So... (laughs) i'm kind of wondering at this point i would like to hear so i know a lot about this but i would like to hear rachie what you remember this being in the church courtship
0: so what i recall because i never i never read um i kissed Dating goodbye which sorry to jump ahead but kind of like (laughs) ushered in the courtship era but from what I remember it was something along the lines. I think I was a little young at this point um, and way too insecure to date. Um, but something Same along man, the lines sort of, of um, you're never unattended So like okay, if typically it's a boy wants to is interested in a girl. like I that the man initiates it, the boy initiates it. By asking her father for permission to hang out with her in the company of other people, especially the parents. At no point do they touch. Maybe there's some hand-holding allowed, I forget. Hotly
3: debated fact.
0: Oh, yes. okay. That's the hotly debated issue. Certainly no kissing. Certainly no being alone together is like the cardinal sin. You're not allowed to alone together or you will definitely jump each other's bones and Jesus will cry. Um, You're ruining your sex life forever. That that's point. right. You're the the old tissue, tattered tissue. and uh, And then eventually... The whole point is that you're only going to court one person because eventually you'll ask her father for her hand in marriage, you'll marry, and then on your wedding night you'll have sex, and it'll be the greatest thing ever. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so how close was I?
3: Um, yeah, that that was pretty much it. There's a few like other kind of insidious things that I remember. Um, one of the things was talk about... Boys had to guard women's heart. Well, I, I mean, I, I try not to say boys because it's like this sounds kind of it sounds terrible when I'm saying boys, boys and
0: girls. We're but they're, about they're literally so... talking about minors, typically. Yeah.
2: Sounds very much like the Purity Balls episode. Of... It, it's there. It's, it's <laughs> gross and uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
3: So there's talk about like boys guarding, guarding girls' hearts. Like having a conversation with a girl might lead her heart to feel something for you, and that would be bad because she's supposed to be saving all these feelings for her future spouse. And that courtship wasn't about casual dating, right? You didn't, like, jump from court to court. It was about finding your spouse, you know? So, like, there's no casual dating. There's no getting Mm -hmm. to know. Um, And then, like you said, it, like, very much in our church was supposed to involve the father so mm-hmm. he and they said this in a, such a joking way but i can't believe that anyone took it so lightly but they were like he's the one you have to impress yeah the father is who you need to worry about impressing
0: which to be fair happens so much in mainstream culture less so now i think but like the number of and it, it actually still is a thing that i hear a lot like um oh, you're gonna have to watch out for her when she gets dating age, like, to the dad, like, that's still a thing, which is creepy as fuck, but still socially acceptable somehow, but it's, it's like, the, the joke of a thousand sitcoms is the dad waiting up, and you know, the threatening dad, who, oh, I'm gonna get you if you do anything to my daughter, like, that has crept into mainstream culture quite a bit, that paternalistic, Like somehow I'm guarding my daughter's vagina, which is so
2: (laughs) it's fucking creepy as fuck. It really is so fucked up. Like like the like that's what I'm saying. Like the the MTV documentary I watched of the purity balls, I was just like, how is this a thing? Like what? It's
0: disgusting and it's inappropriate. There's the word again, inappropriate. It's completely inappropriate. Yes, sorry, rant over.
3: (laughs) So, where did this courtship stuff come from? and oh, who, the courtship
2: is. the courtship of eddie's father
3: this idea of okay. courting no, i'm kidding it was, women, that, was like, that was like a girls. 50s sitcom i'm it was, surprised you're didn't... right
0: no i know you
3: it came from this one book and it was called i kiss dating goodbye and you can pretend not to know about it i guarantee you somebody you know knows about this
0: book because it sold 1.2 million copies
2: that's a lot for back then.
0: Especially for a minority audience. Yeah. Well, a relative minority. Like, the people uh, sure. who actually a fringe
2: A fringe audience, I think it's fair to say. The
0: fundamentalists who are going to be interested in this. What? And interested in buying a bestseller. Well, first
2: of all, look of... at the guy's suit. Like, nobody's I mean, going to date that guy. this is also,
0: like, 1996
3: or I know.
2: Something. Dude, you've got to unbutton that. You know you to get that so this book, tailored a little bit.
3: This book was published in 1997, so Seven. a year after we moved down to this mm-hmm. church... It was written by a twenty one, twenty two year old um boy who was Is this the a, guy on the mm-hmm. cover? Possibly. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know it's cover art. it is? Okay. It is. Oh, it is. <laughs> okay. Yep.
3: He was homeschool royalty. So his dad <laughs> was some kind of um Just,
2: I didn't know that yeah. was a thing oh, yeah. either.
3: Oh yeah. His dad was some kind of leader in converting people to all the items Oh, in I homeschool. see what you mean. So yeah. he like went around and did all these conferences at which this guy, Joshua Harris would have workshops and speak at it, them because you know it's it, nothing is cuter to mm-hmm. a evangelical father than hearing his son kind of like get up on stage and like squeakily talk about the god and christ so well, there is
0: Harris- and that's a whole other tangent watch jesus camp if you want to see how disturbing it is that yeah. adults enjoy children who are quote testifying or whatever it's 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 that's that's the extreme but still again
2: inappropriate yeah
0: so joshua harris cut his teeth
3: on this little homeschooling magazine that he wrote quarterly and distributed to homeschooling teenagers and became very popular (laughs) and he became a good writer so Mm. he wrote this book i kissed dating goodbye and it kind of because of it, the content it led him to become the poster child for a lot of different ideals in this purity movement
0: can i he, can i really quickly interject that there's a forward by rebecca cg yeah. oh, no. sweet girl she
2: i wish i Christian wish i knew
0: why that was artist. funny okay
2: i'll show you one <laughs> actually of her i don't wish i knew why... videos later yeah okay. no you won't i won't watch them
0: she's like a younger poor <laughs> poor man's amy grant
3: <laughs> <laughs> so true. oh my I, oh, I can't
2: wait to see those <laughs> <laughs> very excited now
0: <laughs> i i can't
3: guarantee I forgot that... amy
2: grant was like a christian
0: well she, like, fortunately for her she managed to transition out but that was a yeah, big they, they big point that. of contention they, in the christian guys that shit she
2: pulled a jars of clay on everybody and they're like <laughs> wait what the fuck what is he saying
0: no she deliberately went secular she really did yeah, nice. the fucking vince gill <laughs> Corrupted the country, her. sir? Yeah, she's married to him.
2: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, second why, why second
0: marriage. She's divorced, Uh-oh. so she, clearly she's a problem. She's going to hell. I'm sorry. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> I can't guarantee he coined the
3: the word courtship or whatever, but like mm. this is how this is how it got popular. It wasn't I, if, I completely agree with that, yeah. Um his model of courtship included not only the very Pertinent and popular abstinence only message, but mm. also the one man one woman ideal and mm. being so physically righteous that he he himself did not kiss his wife until their wedding day.
1: Oh my
0: that was a very pop very popular <laughs> ideal yes on no, at no, the no, altar, no, like not oh just like, God. oh okay, we're getting married, right. let's kiss." It was no, like no, literally, at the when altar the, oh, when, the, when the when the preacher says, "You may now kiss your bride is when you kiss.
3: Can you
2: imagine time. how disappointing that would have been for both of them?
3: <laughs> and he got married yes. a year after public- publication of his
0: I Kiss Dating Goodbye.
2: But wouldn't hmm. that be taking things too fast because now they're married they just had their first kiss and now they're gonna have sex well it like, doesn't when, matter you know...
0: once you like marriage is the magic key do you do it uh, well, that's you right want because to... in the
2: purity balls they literally do give the, the sun key,
0: yeah and there's pro- promise rings oh my god okay let's let's move on let's move on we don't want this to be a six part or
2: so <laughs> i think it's sorry. definitely gonna be a two. No, no, no no
0: it is not your fault it, it is our fault <laughs> <Starbolt. laughs> We'll make it a Megasode, the purity, uh, the purity panic Megasode. So looking back at it
3: now, and I honestly, I've read parts. I've never sat down and read it. It's one of those um, books where you can tell that the person is writing their own advice letters. Where it's like, hmm. dear Josh, this thing happened oh. to me. What do I do? Well, here's a solution. <laughs> it was very popular in Christian self-help but it's like how how come they sound like you and use your same phrases yeah (laughs) um so i've never read it but just looking at it and thinking about what's in it like how did somebody 30 40 years old look at this and say no this is not a tragically geeky uncomfortable boy who is not reconciled with his sexuality? He's mm-hmm. deeply, deeply afraid of intimacy and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So afraid of getting close to somebody and trusting another person that he's had to construct this entire brand of yeah. uplifting and spiritual reasons to explain why he's not doing something he's so afraid of. He is a whole, on the cover of this book, he's holding a, a fedora over his <laughs> face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. he is so that's intentional by the way tragically oh, well, shy yeah. yeah he doesn't
0: even want to show his face
2: well yeah that's that's and, and i think it's also because like you can't like this is like what is like it called again to
0: lift I kiss, dating goodbye. I kiss
2: dating goodbye like like you can't have any of this
0: kind of like, like we'll lift the veil on the wedding day yeah sort
2: of it, very yeah. much There's so a... yes
0: <laughs> into a
3: lot of i think that
2: symbolism is definitely there yeah, yeah.
3: and what kind yeah, of parent... probably inadvertently
2: but it's but it's there
3: What kind of parent reads and follows a book by somebody barely 20?
0: A twenty-year-old
3: about how to raise their kids. I cannot. I cannot with that. Like he's mm-hmm. homeschooled. The only thing he could possibly be an expert on is winning spelling
0: bees. That's what homeschoolers <laughs> know. <laughs>
3: Nothing
2: did else. You, he's no did, expert.
0: Did, like what didn't are you, you, you win the uh, Didn't
2: you win the Bram <laughs> National Spelling Bee?
0: I no. I won a. I won our school spelling bee, but I was not homeschooled at the time because oh. otherwise it wouldn't be a school spelling bee. <laughs> But it is that is that is hilarious because yes, homeschoolers are traditionally very good at spelling. Ah, I'm sorry, that was that just that just hit me
3: funny. Was that was that, a, was
2: that an inside evangelical joke?
3: No, it's a like homeschool. when a homeschool homeschooling joke. was a big thing, like this little mm. girl won a national spelling bee, and like she was homeschooled, and I think it was the first time like mainstream media had really heard what a homeschooler was, and they, they were like, know. "Wow, they must be so smart because they can spell."
0: No, it's because we have a shit ton of time because we're not going to traditional or school. She really likes
2: spelling. And was not really on the bus, not yeah. walking
0: to school, whatever.
3: Oh,
2: that looks like a girl who's ashamed.
0: Aww.
3: So I hope I made you laugh. <laughs> there's there's going to be some laughter. There's going to be some tears. But this Aww. is kind of the, like, the, the I kiss Dating Goodbye just kind of became the sexual purity manual of the church. Yeah. And it happened, like, right when... A book
2: when... by a 20-year-old homeschooled kid.
0: Yeah. It happened the, right... But that grown-ups, Right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hang on to, yeah. Like I, 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 I mean, blame them way more than I blame him. Right,
2: because it's just kind of starting to sink in, like what Sarah said. It's like, yeah, who the... Who, if you're 40 years old, who the fuck are... I'm 43.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm not looking for advice... From a 20-year-old for fucking anything. And it has nothing to do with... It's not their fault. Right. It's like you're 20.
1: You're still
0: growing up. You're still
2: a child, basically. I mean, I didn't know... I knew less than shit when I was 20. But you don't realize that until you're 43. (laughs) So, but yeah, it is the parents' fault.
3: So, I encountered this right when I was of age to date. I was, you know, 16, 17, and it was a really big conversation in my life for... um, quite some time um the church you know had accepted this as their sort of like their rule book for dating Mm -hmm. and there's this big push to enforce courtship amongst the little group of teenagers that existed in the church and now by teenagers existing in the church i mean there were like what seven or eight people Mm -hmm. between the ages of like 15 and 18 and -hmm. then the next youngest people were probably
0: 30. So there yeah, wasn't,
3: there was a, yeah, that's there was quite, a weird, a cut like,
1: little,
0: yeah, there were groupings of ages, I, just because it was a small group, it's not, like, representative and there's, of the averages. And there's nobody,
2: like, in their mid-twenties who's kind of a youngish adult, you know not what I mean? Not at that point, yeah.
0: no. A couple came along later on, but yeah.
3: But there was no, like, transition, and there's no one to point no. to to say, like, it yeah. worked for them, you know, it was right. all kind of... kind of,
0: right.
2: In a small way, you can kind of relate to a 25-year-old when you're 17 and 18 and vice versa, but mm-hmm. you can't really do that if somebody's 30-plus. To put know? it
0: into context, uh, so that that book came out in 97 um, and like was adopted in our church. Kind I of. was actually
2: his same age when he wrote the damn book.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the year prior, when we first, and this is one of my first memories of being back or being at the, at the church... Um, when we moved, uh, is that like one of the very first Sundays we were there, uh, and I didn't know many of the people there. I knew some, but not everybody. And that was like one of the times of lar- slightly larger attendance. Mm-hmm. A man who was middle aged stood up, at, like on the the podium, the stage, whatever, with his daughter who was like mid twenties. And her boyfriend. Oh, my God. And, like, literally, <laughs> he was know. sobbing as they, quote, confessed that they had had premarital sex <sighs> and that she was pregnant. Oh, my pregnant, God. But She's they...
2: 25.
0: Well, yeah, she was, like, yeah, she was mid-20s or something. But, and that... Um, oh, fuck. It was, like, this moment of absolute shame and confession, but they were going to quote do the right thing and get married which they did and like go on to have 27 children.
2: oh my god Just and, the...
0: but that that was like at at like 12 whatever whatever age like that was the example of how sex was dealt with
2: it, like, it was dealt with through shame yes yeah yes it was, it was like the Game of Thrones episode.
3: The really strange thing about that that I recall is that that they got up and they asked for forgiveness from their mm-hmm. entire church oh, family. I it's like, remember that. It's so like you're right, your, you're right. It's like
2: you're in your 20s, you're young adults, go do what you want.
0: And that the person who seemed the most ashamed was her dad.
2: Of course. Yeah, because he's going yeah. to hell now. But
0: you know, you're right, you're right. I remember that. It was like a... Um, we're standing up here to confess and to beg for
2: forgiveness. <laughs> to confess that we're adults and yeah, you know, we've kind of earned the right to do what we feel like. We're we're sorry for well, that. Well, and
0: also like it was like an example of abortion is never on the on the table. Birth control or how we were, you know, like uh, oh well, we should have. You just don't or, do it. Yeah,
2: unless you're married. Yeah, and then you have the child.
0: Like, I mean, and I don't know their personal background, like why she ended up pregnant if they were using birth control or not. Now I'm getting weird, but just, uh, yeah, that, so that's how, that's how the church dealt with, um, our church dealt with premarital sex from the... Sounds
2: like, sounds like a real hoop.
0: That was, as I recall, that was like right after we moved. (laughs) Um...
3: I think a lot of this had to do with the fact that the pastor's sons were approaching teenage age. They were mm. a little mm. bit younger than me.
0: Yes. They're they're he, actually slightly younger than me even. So yeah, mm. they were just a couple of years behind us.
3: But I think that the pastor is kind of looking at, you know, this Petri dish and going like, Oh <laughs> man, <laughs> this is what's going to happen to my sons. And I need mm-hmm. to like set something up right now. Yeah. Um, and I, it's I fucked don't, up.
2: So so an ex so we have an excommunication and a confession between consenting adults. That's that's uh, That's that
0: was our introduction yeah. to the church, yeah, basically.
3: <laughs> and I don't know how f- hard they pushed to enforce it in a sense that it was the law. So I yeah. can't because my parents were my parents and they they I think they kind of felt like it was an icky thing. They and they dated. And I know that they they yeah. told me that they couldn't say that dating was bad because they had dated and it would have invalidated their experience. Well, that's so, a good
0: way to look at it. <laughs> it's true.
3: So when all of this was the conversation was going on. And as I recall, like I was like going out with this kid. Um, like this is why it started to get brought up a lot. And mm. I don't know how much I kind of formed the narrative of the church at that time Mm.
1: um
3: i i don't know and i don't remember and i can't say because i wasn't like in all the board meetings yeah but uh, like i was allowed to date so i wasn't forced into this courtship routine yeah gotcha um and you can say like oh great so you know like what are you complaining about (laughs) is is this is just something that some parents chose but the flip side of me being a church-wide conversation, which I was, mm-hmm. was that I was watched very carefully by many, many pairs of eyes. Yeah, and it was really stressful to live in this like small village atmosphere. So again, the church was a tribe. I don't want to say tribe. That's very appropriational. But like they were a small. It was your small village. You know, they. It was your yeah. people. It was your family, and in our yeah. instance, probably like many of them were literally our family, like blood yes. relations. It's very yeah, we, stressful yeah, to we live had a in disproportionate that
0: disproportionate number of relatives in that church. To live
3: thing. in that like small village atmosphere where both your outward and inward behavior was watched and judged by these sort of guardians of purity. Mm hmm. So um one day, for example, the pastor caught me hugging my boyfriend and church, and he later approached my parents to discuss my like whorish behavior
2: oh my god. for
3: hugging oh, somebody. So much
2: worse. Oh my right. god.
3: And I was twenty one.
2: Oh my god. <laughs>
3: so talk the, about getting
2: so much worse. You're the, so you're an you're a young adult.
3: The but awful factor the for me oh my god. was that Like I had to involve this whole group of people that I didn't even care about, like in the sense of like, I trust you and I trust your opinion, but I had to involve them in my sex life, even if I rejected them and I didn't want them to be a part of it. And I said, no, they were still there. So it really robs, it, it robbed me of like the capacity to choose for myself. Like uh-huh. I was being told, like you cannot choose for yourself, we choose this for you, uh-huh. and it makes you feel very powerless and invaded, and women already have it really hard in the religious right, but like uh-huh. this hyper vigilant guardian guarding of like my so called purity, like you end up you live your whole life feeling that you're trying to like breathe through a wet paper bag thrown across your face. Uh-huh. It's just such a stressful thing, yeah. And I never really got over the sort of disgust factor of having my body be a topic okay. of discussion and gossip for the church. Mm-hmm. So like, you can talk about purity all you want at the end of the day, but what it boils down to is an obsession about sex and mm-hmm. what a woman does with her body that is, I wanna say at best emotionally, at best emotionally manipulative, at worst mm-hmm. it's, it's emotionally abusive.
0: Uh, yes, uh, agreed. And um, I understand the hesitancy to want to call it abuse. Well, um, when
3: somebody more powerful than you and somebody who you depend on for food and shelter is telling you what you're allowed to do and not do with your own body, what else are you going to call it?
0: You, you're correct. You're correct. Yeah, I agree. I can these these
3: right. 30, 40, 50 year old men have this mm-hmm. emotional stake and moral stake in my vagina. Like, that's absurd. Yeah. Like, it, I it, know it, yes. it's it's more than just, like, genitals. Like, genitals are, like, whatever. It's a, it's a construct of virginity, right? It's yes. the construct of virginity being, like, this delicate, precious bubble that belongs mm-hmm. to the perfect man that they will pick for me. That, you know, the, the fact that these men were attempting to dictate and control any input that I had was just a horrible experience.
1: Yeah.
3: So I... I really lacked the capacity to accept and understand that virginity was a thing that you could give or take. You know, I, I understand mm-hmm. that I had to have a first time and I understood that I had to have a first time, but I mean, mm-hmm. like, there is, like, a first time for everything. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the idea that there's, like, a guarded piece of me that would be gone because of a simple physical act was just, like, it never made logical sense to me. And the whole rhetoric of, like, giving my body... You know, like, (laughs) I'll never give my body to anyone. I will never give my body to anyone. My body is 100% my own. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what anyone does to it, what I do to it, what, what, it doesn't matter. Like, it will always be my own 100% full stop.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And I felt that way 15, 16 years old. And I think that's.
1: I think it protected me a lot from
3: what I could really internalize as far as, like, this is what is right and this is what God wants. Mm. So because I was, like, starting to grow up and question and think and think critically, it didn't really, the shame did not sink in for me. I was not Mm. ashamed and I was never ashamed. Um I I like I've told you what was bad for me, but none of it had to do with I felt shame. Mm hmm. So oops, sorry. Sadly, <laughs> this weekend mm. I learned that I was really lucky because of mm. that. Uh I, naively like I said, I, I thought and I had thought all these years that my church experience was unique and like quirky. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it was just the church we went to and they had kind of mm-hmm. gone off the deep end. And <laughs> I didn't really have a sense of this broader purity culture in the evangelical church. I thought it was like just mm-hmm. kind of our crazy dads who had gotten together and like decided right. to be real weirdos about stuff because of how like awkward and daddish they were. Right. <laughs> um but so because of this like the the ability to filter out look if you say this then you have to believe in this if you say homosexuality is wrong you have to believe that you're allowed to stone them like because yeah. you cannot cherry pick the bible if you literally believe everything about it it all just mm-hmm. rang so untrue with me mm-hmm. um, you can only sit through so many sermons which a sermon is just a pastor desperately trying to peddle themselves into a point using the Bible. And it's just, it you can only go to so many hundred mm-hmm. of those before you're like, this is crazy. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of teenagers did not have this, and they, like, totally bought into this culture. So they were mm-hmm. so young and so malleable, and this was so pushed on them mm-hmm. that they just had no discernment and they bought into it. Like they bought mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and like abstinence is one thing, right? Like I'm not talking against abstinence.
0: I will never talk about no, abstinence. Of course not. No, if one someone in- That's a choice. If someone yeah. of their own volition exactly. and through their exact express yeah. own personal choice, that's fine. You don't need any reason. You don't need any justification and you don't need anyone's permission anything having to do with your sex life and that includes choosing not to have sex that is entirely up to you and if that's your choice go for it but and no it one needs is gonna to be your choice with no nobody else making that for you
3: nobody is gonna suffer. If they right. delay having sex for at some future right. point for whatever reason, religious or otherwise. So, like, mm-hmm. I, if you are a Christian, I'm sorry, but, like, here I am. I'm the secular word and world and I'm telling you, I don't want you to have sex if you don't want to, kids. Like, this is, right. you, if you're a Christian, I'm not, I'm not trying to make you have sex and I'm the secular right. world. And they, they're telling you that I'm trying to manipulate you and I'm, like, cruising no. around trying to find high school boys to corrupt. <laughs> but I fully, fully support not having sex until you want to. And I support... Mm-hmm. Ever after that, only having sex if you want to.
0: That, damn, I can't say amen. Yes, yes, that is exactly (laughs) it. Exactly it. Any and every time it has to be completely consensual because you want to.
3: So while the purity movement was concerned with sex and sex outside of marriage coming with all these terrible consequences, including pregnancy, AIDS, and death, It also taught something else, and it taught that there was a different conjoined aspect of sex that you would risk by getting close to the opposite sex. They taught that falling in love means that you're going to give your heart away in tiny little pieces, and that eventually you'll have nothing left to offer your soulmate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You laugh, but that
3: is so
2: fucking insidious. I I know. I'm I'm positive these things were said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The courtship it's, model... it's a tissue metaphor
3: but exactly with your, like, but just using your emotions. heart yeah. yeah using
2: your heart as the metaphor instead of a tissue
3: the courtship model and the true love weights model also holds forth that the this, uh, <laughs> this idea that if you wait until after s- marriage to have sex it is miraculously better better than before and better than <laughs> it would have been before and if you wait to fall in love with the only person you marry, your relationship will be miraculously better.
0: <laughs> because so, if there's one thing that we know, it's that it's the first time you sit down at the piano and play it. That is the objectively best yeah, you'll ever play the, the, the piano. Best ever.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'll never play that like ever again. Which so is true. But it's because it was horrible.
3: <laughs> not only have you given Christians something quantitative. Yeah. To set goals on, you've also given them the promise of this, like, just add water to happily ever after Mm. for the best marriage and the best sex and the best life on earth that can possibly be, simply because and as a reward for not having sex.
0: It oversimplifies the ever after, as it were.
3: And Mm. for many of these people, it turned out to be untrue. Oh, oh my God. Believe it or not. Can, I, can self- I read that?
2: Can I read that first headline? Sure. <laughs> okay. After staying a virgin until marriage, I couldn't have sex with my husband. And the sub headline is, I didn't even kiss him until we were at the altar. <laughs>
0: And it just escalates from there. I was diagnosed with vaginismus shortly after returning from the honeymoon and after a week of tears and pain and frustration. This meant I had involuntary Uh, contractions of the pelvic muscles that made sex extremely painful or even impossible. Oh, my God. Like... (sighs) <sighs> oh, and here, here, this is a good one. I innocently assumed that all of the work on both our parts to remain chaste would pay off with a hot, passionate sex life after we had <sighs> finally said I, I mean, do. Maybe that eventually. Is, that is a stupid, yeah. empty promise. Yeah, maybe eventually, but certainly
2: not the first couple of times. Well, like, the, no. that's the
0: thing. is that, that's It's like it's a magic trick is yeah. what they're saying. It's just you don't even so, know each other. Ugh
2: you don't know each other physically it's not gonna it's so it's so ridiculous wow i'm so glad i didn't have to grow up with this shit
1: Thanks.
3: Believe it or not. Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> Believe I'm it or saying, not, like,
2: I'm saying I feel bad for the both of you. That's what I'm saying.
3: Believe it or not, yeah. sometimes virgins do not have great sex the first time. <laughs> or the 30th time. Or maybe not at all now that you've wrapped a huge amount of stigma and pressure. Yes.
2: Yeah, no Reactive shit. And shame that's like attached a ba- to it. I think that's the yeah. biggest
0: part is the emotional burden
2: of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, I think it's just that they probably... If you're in that environment, you're probably constantly feeling shameful, even well, though that's what
0: I mean. It's an emotional,
3: e- even though you've
2: done everything that you were supposed to do up to that point.
0: All of a sudden, now it's supposed to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's
3: prior to, you were praying desperately to have these feelings removed from you, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you don't yeah. Want to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to have them in yeah. the first place. A very and now true. you
2: do, and it's like, oh, okay.
3: The uh, same yeah. friend okay. that I, you know, that was talking about her purity pledge. Mm-hmm. On the way back from that 1995 trip, um, she called me in tears from her honeymoon, um, yes, saying she this: she was just like, "I hate sex." Oh my god! And I, I think about this a lot from the standpoint of women. I'm I'm a woman. I don't know mm-hmm. how it feels. You know, for men, I the stereotype is that you know, like a man do anything, whatever. But I think probably like the one thing I can think of is that a lot of men would have issues about this too in the sense that like if you're gay and you've been Mm -hmm. like praying the gay away this Mm -hmm. would be a pretty easy marrying the gay away
0: type of a situation
2: Mm -hmm. yeah we, we certainly know that that happens
0: yeah, like we've we've barely even scratched the surface of how heteronormative all of this is and oh, how yeah, that's, incredibly that's and yeah. cisgender normative and just how incredibly destructive that is. To so I
3: think this. like by this time, you know, I'm 2021, 20, if I had married somebody in the church and if I had decided to re- remain a virgin until I got married, um here's an example of the help That my church would have offered me if I came to like my mom or somebody and said, I don't like this. Um, Here's what they would have said. A known medical fact is that hormones respond to stimuli. A woman whose heart and mind are focused on pleasing her man has hormones ready to be awakened to answer her husband's desires. Before those hormones kick in and get active, a good woman should respond with great enjoyment towards her husband simply because she finds joy in his pleasure. She <laughs> need not wait until she's so stimulated to de- desire eroticism. She need only seek to fulfill her husband's needs. I have a tip for you. When you make your husband's needs central, you will get turned on to the experience and enjoy it yourself.
0: That is the way God meant it to be. I know you're laughing. I
3: No, I'm not
2: laugh laughing No, I'm that not. I'm horrified by that. Disgusting and yeah.
0: sad and tragic and
2: I'm laughing in the sense of wrong. how how fucking ridiculous it could possibly be to even think that, let alone spew that garbage onto fucking other people.
0: Well, that's the th- the thing is if you believe it because you're being told that these are like facts by people you trust, and that that is abuse. Yeah. That is abuse. Yeah.
3: This is uh quote from a book that was used as Sunday school curriculum for married women at our church.
2: <laughs> Fantastic.
0: I can't even. I can't even.
3: Um, uh, from the same book, a perfect help meet is one who does not a- require a list of chores as would a child. Helpmeet? What does that
0: mean? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Explanatory comma. A help meet is like a uh. It's um,
3: from a bible verse, it's what women were created to be for their husbands. It's a, code. a help
2: meet
0: it, it means like uh you're the you're the you're the little buddy to the skipper like you're helping out your husband because women are hierarchically lower than men in quote God's i've just plan I've never for well, i family. I don't doubt that
2: that's what these so, people yeah, believe no, I've never seen the, that term before it,
0: it, in in all fairness it's it's a little bit more of a fundamentals deep cut, but yeah okay. Her readiness to
3: please motivates her to look around and see the things she knows her husband would like to see done. She would not use lame excuses to avoid these jobs. A man (laughs) would know he had a fine woman if she were this kind of helper. And I got these quotes because I don't own the book, but I got these quotes from this... Website called Love, Joy, Feminism by Libby Ann. And I encourage anyone who's interested in this mm-hmm. to look up her website. I don't I can't endorse the website. I don't know what it's about. And I don't know if it is mm-hmm. Christian or whatever. But um, she made the point of, well, this is an interesting paragraph. Let's change out two of the words. Same quote, two words changed. Mm hmm. A perfect slave is one who does not require a list of chores as would a child. His readiness to please motivates him to look around and see the things he knows his master would like to see done. He would not use lame excuses to avoid these jobs. A master would know he had a fine slave if he were this kind of helper. Yeah.
2: That's exactly what the other thing says. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Completely. It reminds me very much of, uh, to be very specific, um, one of my favorite films gosford park in the end helen Mirren, Mirren's character See, says, i fell asleep
2: during that one gotcha
0: <laughs> says um what what do you think it says to uh, mary mcdonald's character what do you think makes a good servant and a good servant knows what their master wants before they know it and that's like the the entire that's literally what the whole passage was saying and all it's it the
2: relationship does relationship between reduce, a master and a slave it
0: reduces yeah. a person to an object yeah. that belongs to someone else
3: sadly this whole book this book that was used as a curriculum as um teaching wives how to behave um my mom owned the book it was ho- the whole point of it was your job is to please your husband if you don't like it you grit your teeth but you smile around those gritted teeth so whatever your objections or whatever you're going through in your marriage it doesn't really matter you you grin and you giggle and you just try to please him so i mean not only are we offering girls this idea that you're you wait until you're married everything will be perfect if it's not here's what you do I can't imagine that this is good or happy and I can't imagine reading this and being like oh this solves my problems <laughs> is solving anything or making you happy at all and if you're reading this going like oh yeah that speaks to me like how unhappy are you yeah. I can't fathom it so we took a little break because this is going long, and I don't exactly remember what we were talking about. So I'm just gonna <laughs> move That's to the, okay. my next slide, which
0: I—that's a good <laughs> cut point.
1: <laughs> yes.
3: Um, I I want to say something really quickly about statistics. Um, a lot of what the majority, uh, the moral majority worked on were statistics. Mm. They use statistics to prove their points and you think like okay they have a point they have statistics to back it up there must be correct like this is what churches were thinking and in our church we had people who used a lot of statistics
1: Mm -hmm.
3: but the thing that i want to say about statistics is that when you look at a bunch of numbers without context you can't interpret it you don't know what what's you don't know anything about these numbers they are just numbers on a page if they are not contextualized in a scientific study there's really just no point in them there mm-hmm. you don't know anything about it and which is a terrible i'm, I'm about to cite a lot of statistics right now <laughs> which means if you don't want to believe me it's fine i i I'm all for, please don't believe me, please investigate these things. You can download the GSS data set and you can run code over it and come to your own conclusions. And please do that if that's what you want to do. But I, I, I can't really give you a picture. Like my question to the world right now is like, did this work? It did Purity and True Love Waits make successful marriages like that that's my real question and i'm you know i was indoctrinated with this strategy and now i'm in my late 30s and i would be i'm prime divorce territory right like if i was going to get divorced it would have been in the last decade and what i found was a 2014 u.s population pew research survey that surveyed i think something like 35,000 US citizens about their current marital status and they asked are you divorced or separated and they divided and then they asked like what's your religious affiliation and what Pew research reports is that 74% of in 2014 the current divorced or separated adults were identified as Christian of divorced or separated adults were evangelical Protestant, which is what we would have been considered. 28% of all divorced or separated adults that they surveyed. By the time I was like, I want to say 21, 22, I was not regularly attending church, and I never would regularly attend church again. I don't feel like I can really speak about what was going on in the church at that time. I don't know what people 10 years, 15 years younger than me, what their church-going experience was. I don't know the trends, and I don't know, like, what to talk about. Um, I I do feel like there was a certain amount of religious, political activization that got Mm. much more serious as time went on once Mm -hmm. um september 11th happened and once george w bush happened um and once president obama happened like all these things i i just see the evangelical right as being this they they were like this huge piece of paper and like every Mm -hmm. time something happened they folded themselves and then they folded themselves again and if you've ever tried to no matter how big Mm -hmm. the piece of paper is by the time this this folding happens you've got this hard hard as stone piece of thing that used to be you know like a big piece of paper it just it doubles down and it doubles down and they just like cling harder to these few things And that's what I see happening. So, like, I can't really, because I only see the the non christ the secular side and the secular media and whatever, I don't really have words to describe what is going on in the church. I do notice that white, born again, evangelical Christians, Mm -hmm. while... um, well, 24% voted for Barack Obama, Obama the first time, and 21 voted the second time. 21% voted the second time. Only 16% of white born again evangelical Christians voted for Hillary Clinton. Um, She's a woman. My point right now is just <gasps> that our elections are not about politics, and they are not about yeah. anything but voting. For for or against Christianity right now. So, know. it's a very upsetting thing. I'm I mean, I'm not I don't necessarily require full representation of my legal government. I do understand that there has to be other sides presented in order to um judiciate over the country, but this is what these are our choices that we have right now. And these are the choices mm-hmm. that are coming up in the next election. And it's very it's getting worse this this is not a hill that has peaked yet hmm. and all of this is because of the 70s the 80s and the 90s and this purity movement and the religious right and the activization of politics like we are still living it even though like I have not gone to church I'm still living in a country that we are voting our religion and not anything else hmm. so that's my point about the last 20 years um i do want to end things on oh yeah something of a positive note i hope but um <clears throat> a couple years ago i became aware of the fact that joshua harris the author of i kiss dating goodbye had somewhat reassessed his opinion about his writing good which is not something yeah. that you really hear from no. evangelical mm-hmm. christians I think, Usu- a
2: good, I think that's a good thing
0: well listen to this this is pretty usually
3: like they're they fold <laughs> they keep folding and they double down they double mm-hmm. down and they get harder and harder so to hear somebody is like well you know like i really need to reassess this he m- made a documentary called i survived i kissed dating goodbye and I remember I feel like I told you about it, Rachel. I was like, I need to see this, man. I need to see what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, when I went to their website, they wanted my email address before I could watch the film. Like, film is free to watch. Just give us your email address. And I was like, Heck no, I'm not giving you my email address and I never <laughs> I never watched it until this weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the film company released the film and <laughs> I'll tell you why, but the the documentary was I, I highly recommend it right because apparently what's happened since he was the number one Christian best selling book probably until the um, Left Behind series he mm. you know it it was big it was is big even in terms yeah, of Christianity so apparently <laughs> in 2016 he gets the internet. And he finds out that there's a whole bunch of people out there who are very angry about his book because they were raised to Mm. think it was the rules and it damaged them. Mm -hmm. And he's apparently really surprised because he has just been kind of moving up this mega church ladder and now he's a Mm. pastor of a mega church in Maryland. Um, Of course, like, I had to watch this thing, right? (laughs) So I, I start the film. It's pretty 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 obvious that it is christians so he mm-hmm. while he is kind of like well i want to hear about people's experiences and i want to know more he does go to sex experts but they're christian sex experts he goes to psychologists but they're christian psychology like, it's pretty clear that this is not for secular audiences it's for the mm-hmm. liberal christians right mm-hmm. but there's a couple beats in this documentary that unless he is Like he has the power of Satan to deceive you. Like he has these realizations as this story unfolds Mm. that are incredibly telling and incredibly telling as to like how he ends up finishing his story with the Christian moral right. So a couple of these beats are things like people uh, he's skyping with people who are like me had to grow up with this indoctrination and he's like asking them like what was it like just please tell me what it was like and they're saying Mm -hmm. like it was bad but don't feel bad like it's not your fault that people treated you like an apostle apostle like somebody who Mm was uh like the living word of god was flowing from from you like just don't feel bad about that And he, he, there's a moment where he's like sitting, he's he's about to get out out of a car, like it just doesn't look staged to me. And he's not reading off a teleprompter or anything like that. And he's, he just, he's like, I get that. And I know they're trying to make me feel good. And I understand that. But on the other hand, he's like, it's incredibly hard to go against the flow. And if somebody's given you this book, like to hand back this book and just be like, thanks, it's not for me, though. Because he he understands now that if your parents are giving it to you or your pastor is giving it to you it's this catch-22 of like well the bible says follow their authority and this is what they're saying yeah. but i don't believe it and blah and blah and blah and he like looks in the camera and he's like i understand this feeling because i've experienced the same thing hmm. and i was a pastor of a church hmm. and he just sits there like Like, you can see these wheels are turning in his head. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh. And then I couldn't find, so this is pretty much verbatim that I'm reading to you because I could find that point in the film. The Mm -hmm. other point that he said, and I can't quote it verbatim, I wish that I could, but it was something like he's like, yeah, like, what is even virginity? Like, we don't have a name for anything else that is not there as a thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that you can take away but it's yeah. but it's not like a physical thing that's there so mm. uh, he he apologizes like the end of the, the film well me and documentaries and the end of like for some reason i just can't stand the ending of documentaries but i don't recommend you watch <laughs> the end of the documentary because that's where like the woo christians things comes in and he like he's in a, a, a church sanctuary and it's a big table and like all these different people are like eating this meal at the table and it's a voiceover of like christianity is blah 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 but, um, at the end, he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry I wrote this book mm. um, on his website, and this is the reason why I looked it up this weekend because I was like kind of thinking about these things, and I was like, "Oh, what's he up to? L- go to his website on the front page. he's like, "I'm really sorry for people who are unhealthfully influenced about it, and I never intended to hurt you. I can't recall all the copies of my book that have been published, mm. but I have instructed my publisher to not reprint it. So he's like at this Mm. point going like, I wouldn't, I don't even want this on the shelves. Mm. And this is like 2016. And he he came off as sincere to me. A lot of people were offended by the film because it was like, dude, you have way more apologizing to do than that. But like. He was 20. Yeah. and, And he was not the one. F- trying to force people to do this right so
0: yeah and somebody right. he was just trying to he was just too. trying to
2: put his views out in the world through a book and other people took that well, he and, we- and weaponized it and, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah so and you can't realize that that's what's going to happen when you're 20 or 21 mm-hmm. i mean so
3: apparently when the documentary had been filmed and he mentions this in the documentary he's like i moved to british columbia i'm no longer a pastor i'm going back to bible church to get some education with his wife and his family and he's got kids now who are teenagers but apparently the story behind him going to bible college was that he stopped being a church because he admitted to covering up a case of child sexual abuse in his church
1: oh my god
3: so he had been being groomed by this mega church pastor to take over this church, which he eventually did. But apparently this pastor that was, you know, mentoring him and grooming him was a child sexual abuser.
1: Oh, God. And this this
3: comes from Josh Harris's mouth. Right. This is a Washington mm-hmm. Post article where he's like, I covered this up. I, I, I covered it up in the sense that I said we would handle it within the church
0: hmm now there's a familiar line mm-hmm.
3: and i think when he's sitting there in the car and he's like i know what this feels like i was a pastor when mm-hmm. this happened to me like he could very well be talking about the peer pressure he experienced to want yeah. to go report this to the police but god says you take like, this yeah. to us the pastors not the police
1: mm-hmm.
3: oh my god uh so a uh, over a year ago he announced that he was divorcing his wife Mm -hmm. um and then a few days later he announced that he is no longer a christian he no longer identifies as a christian Mm -hmm. um he's undergone a massive shift in his faith with jesus christ Mm -hmm. he especially apologizes about the way that his book hurt um lgbtq people Aww. And he's since, like, taking pictures of himself at pride parades and stuff like that. Like, and he, he has a, a public life, and I have not delved into this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like, what his story is now. I don't want to sure. be like, this guy's great. Josh Harris for president, right. you know. Yeah,
0: gotcha.
3: um, but this, you know, is something that happened a year ago. And you can imagine how, <laughs> what the evangelical church thought about that, right? Like, so yeah.
1: he's...
2: Well, I th- i mean, obviously he's still going to have his flaws because that's what we are as human beings. We're all flawed. Nobody's perfect. But at least he looks back and sees, like, man, like, I really fucked things up for a lot of people. And Whereas sure. somebody like Jerry Falwell or Jerry Falwell Jr. would be like, wow, look at the fucking havoc I caused. I want more of that feeling.
0: Well, or Or just, like, well, I'm going to be living my version of the truth but just be deceiving a lot of people like to to josh harris's credit like gut on him for being like transparent on some level and uh, it's that's that's tough and to like i think something that's not talked about a lot too is um deconversion Mm -hmm. Or I guess unconversion, or maybe just conversion, but just to, conversion to something to else. non-religion. Yeah. Um, that in itself, I can personally attest to from my own experience, is a really traumatic and difficult process. That I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand. And so for for him to be like open and honest about it, even even just like say it's just an Instagram post, whatever. Like that's that's something, and like who knows what's going on behind the scenes for him? Mm -hmm. It's hard. I'll I'll say this: like at
2: least he feels the weight of what happened.
0: Mm -hmm. Seems to certainly seems to be representing that. So just
2: to just for him to be able to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. is a huge. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah,
2: that's a huge thing.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow! So
3: it was a couple weeks after this that the production company kind of dropped his film and was like don't care don't talk to me about this you can watch it for free and that's how I got to watch it
0: oh my god yeah wow so in well so they clearly had a point of view and he was mm-hmm. living up to it so jeez, what you say about deconversion is correct
3: but it's in evangelical christianity in addition to you having a deconversion like you are dropped like a hot potato right like it's not like oh you're questioning your faith come to church and like hang around Mm -hmm. and we'll talk to you about it it's not that at all like the moment that you say something Mm -hmm. like i don't know about this they're like well you were never a christian to begin with because jesus says you will never leave the flock if you are a Christian. So you are actually a false Christian the entire time. There's a whole spiel that they have for you waiting for you. If you ever do leave. So, mm-hmm. um, he calls it, I, I thought it was interesting. He calls it a deconstruction. I've never heard, mm-hmm. uh, that term before. Sure. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. It's a whole, you know, you can look it up online and there's people who, you know, talk about their experience of deconstruction. Um, I, I don't know. I maybe you're constructing something else. Like it's not necessarily you're not no, tearing something yeah, down necessarily. A, you're building something. That's a way else. to look at it. Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Ooh, that has many connotations. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but I thought that like I didn't know anything about. I obviously don't read a lot of you know Christianity today, so I don't really know what's going on <laughs> with these people. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to hear about. Um, I do. I did watch Jesus Camp again. Mm. Um, now yeah,
2: that, that was a fucked up movie. Yeah.
3: Now that uh, I've seen it several times, it's hard to really fathom the shock that people have about it, but I would highly recommend watching yeah. it. If you have yeah. any curiosity about what it's like to grow up evangelical, what it was like for me to grow up evangelical, just watch that film and know that it was everything except
0: for speaking in tongues so yeah we, were, we weren't um uh oh my pentecostal. god blanking? Penta- thank you pentecostal
3: but that like everything they said every word they said were things that i heard mm. in my childhood Yeah. um i also recommend please watch i survived i kissed dating goodbye because i, I think it really was somebody who like you can see the wheels turning and light bulbs mm. pinging and him being like I see. I get this now. I'm. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was wrong, and every everybody and everything was wrong. And I also recommend watching for free on Vimeo. Give me sex, Jesus. I thought it was a really, <laughs> I thought it was a really balanced look at the purity movement. They mm-hmm. were the ones that kind of opened my eyes to it being a political thing, but they mm-hmm. they got a bunch of different viewpoints so they had the couple who waited and were just like mm. we are so happy we never had to live yeah. through that heartbreak of getting your heart broken we never had to do you know like the whole the whole party line like they
0: chose there fucking, was
2: a it's part of part of growing <laughs> up though. well
0: and and to not not I mean, be it's... like this is everybody's experience uh, no matter what yeah. yeah to be like you said more balanced yeah
3: so i i reckon they even had like current like thirty year old virgins, you know, like who are just kinda Mm -hmm. like, well, I've messed around, or, Well, I'm still waiting. You know, like there's a lot there was a lot of different viewpoints. No documentary can really capture everything. Um Mm -hmm. as I put together this PowerPoint, I deliberately I had a whole bunch of purity ball uh Mm. pictures up, but it was nearly pet like pedophilia i couldn't yeah i couldn't put it yes, up I, so I agree with you on that it was like fathers holding it's creepy
2: as. F- it's creepy it was as like a father's holding
3: their daughter's hips and, so, and i was like this is yeah, like uh, no i i had to nope uh, real hard back to that. the
0: inappropriate that is completely like yeah i, I i'm with you but if you want to see you. them
3: they're out there and uh yeah so watch those documentaries there's a lot of books re- written on it somebody wrote um Virgin Nation um put po- a mm. lot of political uh psychological people experts which I you know psychological dot 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 experts are um <laughs> kind of they've they've got their eye on this and they're like well there's a thing called emotional abuse like even if you're not mm-hmm. slapping your kid around if you're telling them they'll they'll die and go to hell if they don't do this like that's yeah. pretty bad so yeah. there's a lot out there it's worth learning about when you realize that we are living with a president who was elected based on these things and based on yeah. the pro-life movement which you know maybe that's a podcast for another day but i, I didn't even want to touch it <laughs> um no, no,
0: no, that's a good good he, call.
3: <laughs> you know there's the there's a lot of evangelicals who vote predom- like. on the the pro-life. The
2: chart chart that you put up, um, what what white evangelicals vote for on Republicans swayed from 74% to 81%.
0: From between Obama the second time and Trump?
2: Uh, No, going back to Kerry. Going back to Kerry. Um, So if you are a Republican running for president, you're going to pick up. Statistically, you're going to pick up 74 to 81% of white evangelical Christians, which is a huge amount of people.
0: I would like to say, though, I hope and and there's some there's a couple things I've seen that seem to indicate this may be a thing to give some hope that there are um, that there is some version of change in the evangelical church in younger people.
2: I like think you are that, starting to see that that
0: younger yeah. people are a little more open minded like and that's that's the thing I would tell evangelical kids or like 20 somethings is you don't have to give up Jesus it's okay like you we're not trying to convince you to to give up a faith and like a belief and uh, that you can keep all the the amazing things about, you know, like the love and the the fantasticness of Christianity and give up the stuff that doesn't even have a real biblical basis. I'm not even going to get into all that. But, you know, like, like you can still... You can. You don't have to be an atheist. You don't have to be an agnostic. You you can still love Jesus
2: without all the bullshit. You
0: can be a Christian person and not have that identity be synonymous with some sort of political sway that people have been telling you that you need it to be. You you
2: can still love Jesus and watch Serpico. It's okay.
0: You can love Jesus and still be an independently thinking person you know Mm -hmm.
2: and that's i mean that's the thing with me like i mean my feelings on this 20 years ago were completely different you know my feelings 20 years ago was religion's bullshit it's all and there's no god i mean what the fuck do i know how i feel about it now is hey if if you're into religion and you feel that it comforts you and you feel that it makes you a better person then fine great you know i have no problem with that i I think a majority of people do not have a problem with that. It's the forcing of values and morals and all that bullshit. Like just fucking or
0: just or just fuck off with that shit. Or just a lack of just considering the power hungry. A lack of considering
1: mm-hmm.
2: things. Other people's.
0: It's okay to question people. Mm-hmm. It is a hundred percent okay, and in fact, good to question people. In fact, if you're a person of faith. You don't answer to people. You answer to God. That's the whole idea. So go ahead and think independently and trust what you believe in, which is that God will guide you in the right path. Let them do that and and be let. Don't Don't just buy something that people say because they say they have the power to say it. That's not it. That's not it. We're going on three hours.
3: I was gonna say this is a
2: good place this is a good place to stop.
0: I have a couple of more things.
3: Be careful okay. oh, what your kids are exposed to in both ways, yeah. you know. Yes. Um I my parents didn't go with the courtship thing. They had a lot of their own, you know, takes on stuff. But there was no filter for this stuff. There was no mm-hmm. hey, don't talk to my daughter like that, you know, mm-hmm. don't look at my daughter that way. She's not it's none of your business. That was never said. Um and also I just I think like I hope nobody that I'm talking about is listening. I apologize if they are. Um I I know what like I've been curious as to what people from my past were up to and I've looked everyone up and like, I know I've become sort of a lore for some people and I've become part of their backstory, which uh, is awkward for me. I think that's really weird and it's very personal. So uh, I think like, I would just say uh, like, I'm not resentful or mad, but you know, Coming to this sort of like realization of it being this whole social and political uh, issue um, and then having uh, being able to speak publicly like I've never spoken to my parents about this. I've never gone. <coughs> Sorry, my cat just knocked over my beer bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been able to go back to these people and, like, say it to their face or anything like that. Like, there's been no catharsis or, you know, any sort of, like, I know, like, what happened was bad and I was never able to you know, really express... I thought it was just a weird thing that happened to me, right? But this is something that's happened to a lot of people, and I'm very happy and relieved to kind of, like, publicly speak out. I mean, okay, like, this is just a podcast, and it's for free, and nobody's, you know... Uh, like excuse the- me. <laughs>
2: excuse me, this is all <laughs> no bad offense. things. It's not just a podcast. <laughs> but, yeah. I
3: mean, it's not going to get picked up by the media, and, like, my name's not going to be all over, like, an anti-purity movement or something like that, but, you know, like uh i feel finally like i can have a personal message about this instead of it just being like Mm. this stupid secret thing that happened to me so Mm. thank you for that thanks for letting me talk about it and thanks for listening if you've gotten this far
0: oh no that's awesome that's awesome i think that's really important that's really important Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yes, thank
2: you. This was quite the topic. Oh, man. This is officially our longest episode ever.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. Hey, it's a... Uh, there's, there's disasters of stripes. But for good, but for good reason. There's like, disasters of all stripes. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm.
2: There, there's a lot to unpack in, in this discussion.
0: That's right. So... So I think, are you cool with us calling this the purity panic? Yes, please. I like that. I coined coined it, but I've I've
3: Googled it. it, And there are some like articles that say it. It's not a headline, but they call it like a purity panic, which is understandable. Like Mm it's obviously the satanic panic, purity
0: panic, but yes. Yeah.
2: And they coincided with each other. Mm -hmm. How about that?
0: So that was the story of The Purity Panic. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. I'm Sarah. And we'll see you next week. I should have said I'm sexy Sarah. I'm slutty
3: Sarah.